the cup and the leaf all to be one. Everyone knows there's a job to be done and with a team so fine. I'm proud they're mine. We'll be singing the song. Firmin Athletic Former Players Association podcast is sponsored by Starna Apparel. Affordable and stylish clothing born on the terraces. Listeners of this podcast can get 10% off their order by using code PODCAST at the checkout. Just head to www.starnaapparel.co.uk. Welcome to the Dunfermline Athletic Former Players Association podcast, Walking Down the Holbeath Road. Join us as we take a trip down memory lane with some of the most iconic players and managers to grace the pitch at East End Park. From reminiscing about their glory days, to sharing insights on the game today, these legends will offer a unique viewpoint on the beautiful game. I'm your host, Mikey Mokkiewicz, and on this latest episode, we speak to former defender Greg Shields, who had two spells with the club as a player, and is now head of academy with the football club. In this podcast, Greg speaks about his career in the game, starting at Glasgow Rangers, working under the legendary manager Walter Smith, and training with players such as Paul Gascoigne, Ali McCoyst and Brian Loudrop, before joining Bert and Dick at Dunfermline in 1997, where he would get the chance to experience first-team football and learn some important values that he still uses in his coaching methods today. Greg had a fantastic career in the game, so sit back, relax and get ready to relive some memorable moments as we walk down the Holbeath Road with Greg Shields. Greg, great to have you on the podcast. How are you getting on? Good. Aye, really good. Had a good summer. Um, been away a few times on holiday as well, so it's been, it's been good. Perfect. Well, it's good to catch up with you as always. Uh, so we'll rewind right to the very, very start. Am I right in saying you were born in, dare I say it, Falkirk? I was, aye. So what, what was uh, growing up like for a young Greg Shields and your early memories of football? I don't know. I was a King Carden boy. Um, went to Tilly Allen Primary and uh, just grew up playing playing football and, uh, as you do in the playground, eh? You know, in the concrete, putting your jerseys down as goalposts and, you know doing sliding tackles and ripping your trousers and having cuts and bruises and that was just the start of it um, I always wanted to be a fireman when I was younger right believe it or not and I just I went through the years of just playing football and you know then eventually grew arms and legs became a little bit better and got a little bit interest for, for clubs when I was 12, 13 um, still wanted to be a fireman I never actually believed that I could become a footballer so um, I think I went to Drayton Manor Country Park one year down on holiday with, with relatives down south and I went on a, a ride at the shows and it was a parachute ride. I thought, oh my God, I'm terrified of heights. So that was it, fireman no more, let's go and shoot on football. <laughs> I was crying as well. So um, no, I became, obviously then, you know, Rangers were showing some interest and I was at, it's usually there's three or four clubs sniffing around. I was really close to signing with Dundee. Right. Um, John Blackley, who 
probably a huge influence in, in my career er very early days. You know, he used to pick me up in Reading. My mum would drop me off in Reading just outside of Falkirk. He would take me over to Edinburgh and he used to train at Pilton. In the latter part that John, I met, met John a few years ago at a golf day, and he was like, you wee... I swear, eh? Nah, I go for it, eh? He says, you wee bastard. He says, the only time I... The only way I was having a session was in Pilton because there was one player, one player that was over on Edinburgh side, and that was you. And he says, you never even fucking signed for me. <laughs> he goes, eh... But, eh, you know, John Blackley was fantastic. Great. I loved his, the way he was as a coach. I quite like, you know, coaches that get after you in the right way. John was good for me. Dundee very close to signing it kind of hurt me a wee bit that because I was a Rangers fan as a kid my dad was a Rangers my uncle obviously played there um, a childhood dream and it yeah. was then I started you know realising maybe I've got a wee chance here um, and um, you know they offered me full time contract and uh, there was two or three other guys on my team Scott Wilson Stevie Boyack who were at Salveson in Edinburgh Yeah, and it was why no let's do it what a dream come true that must have been for you. It was, and you didn't realise the, the the size, you know, being a supporter. When you as soon as you go in there, and you know, I think there was twenty seven boys in, full time. And How old are you at this point? About fifteen. I was 16. sixteen. Aye, sixteen. Were you intimidated by that at first, or did you cope no problem? I was, aye, because you're, you're as a younger boy, you're you're, you're training with guys that are two and three years older than you when you first go in. You know, it was Stephen Presley, Lee Robertson's. Um, Levi Smith, you know, these type of players, Sandy Robertson at the time, and you're, you're, you're aspiring to be them and you're trying to learn for them day in, day out. And it was just, it was hard, mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to adapt. So you kind of, you realise what these guys go through, you know, when we bring them in full time, it's tough. But the environment Rangers, they were all good players, right? You were always going to get better. You know, it was how you conducted yourself. You know, you don't realise that when you go in the, the mental side of, you know, being at a big club, you know, no enjoying yourself like you, you probably should. It's a sacrifice. And, and I worked it out pretty quickly. It's mm -hmm. the only way I made it. You know, attitude-wise, I had a great attitude. Not the most gifted, but um, just attitude-wise and the, the work, the work I did off the pitch, yeah. you know, stood me in good stead to, to progress. But, you know, I look back to the kind of grounding I had, you know, under John Blackley and, you know, how, how that helped me. I had a lot of good people. Alistair Stevenson as well helped me through through Rangers at the time when I went there. Who's now who went to Hibs? Hibs, yeah. And now it's St Johnson. So big influences during that that time, you know. And people you still speak to now. Who was your coaches at Rangers when you, you first went? Billy, Billy Kirkwood and, and John McGregor. Right. It's funny. I was where was I this morning? I was actually when I was just coming off the golf. I was speaking to the pro there, and we we're talking. It was something about our childhood. And, and I was saying, all oh, right, I said, Christ, this is, when I was at Rangers as a kid, I said, the coach used to, you know, when we used to do all the jobs at the end, he was very, you know, you've got to do it the right way and whatever, it was a good grounding. And um, did you mind doing all that as a kid? Did you I, quite enjoy I quite enjoyed it. I loved doing the, the boots. boots. I quite enjoyed it. Just because you're, you're dealing with, you know, your Mark Haley, your McCoy, and all these boys. Aye, superstars. But eh? it was, he would make us, you know, scrub the, the grout in the showers with a toothbrush. You know, and all that's it. it. Was just nuts. Like what on earth is? But what he was doing, he was actually giving you a good ground in the life. You know, and discipline, you know, life skill, completely. Uh, know that I do that now, but you know, it was uh, these things that everyone's got to be perfect. It's got to be right. There's things have got to be, you know, left better than what you found them type thing. And just Kirky was like that. You know, anybody know Kirky? He's, he's very, he's very proud. You know, a good coach. And you had the the bad cop and John McGregor. Right. You know, 
John McJohn was, you know, a really good coach as well. I thought he was good for me. Hardened mentality would get after you, you know, would lose it. Um, you knew where you stood with him. And uh, then you had John Brown at the back of that who finished his career or at the end of his career and, you know, you had the three of them. Quite a fierce character, Brown. Aye, but I think if you were a, a try hard, you worked hard, your attitude was great, it stood you in good stead. Yeah. And I had a kind of advantage over a lot of players that my attitude was, was first class. So when, when did you get that first kind of opportunity to start training with the, the first team? You named like Haightley there and obviously uh, McCoy's there and Dury. And I think after the two-year apprenticeship, I only got offered a year. Right. And I was gutted. I was really, and there was a lot of boys around about me at the time, typical, you know, I'm just as good as them, that mentality. And you're, you're not really, you know, a coach makes a judgment on you. At that time, they thought it was only a year contract. And it really, I changed. I changed my diet. I changed everything. And... You know, I would get the early bus in and the late bus back, whereas others would get the late bus in and the early bus back. And um, for a whole year, I completely changed what I ate, you know, and... Was Did you very, feel the benefit of that? Definitely. With your fitness and I was in the first team squads, you know, within six months. Um, and by the end of the season, I was, I was playing. I made my debut at the end of that season. Then they offered me a new contract. So I signed a new two-year contract, I think. Amazing. And then the following year, you know, you're... You're involved seven or eight games playing Champions League. It was just, it was really a dream. You're 19 year old, you're playing for a team you supported as a kid, mm-hmm. and um, you're playing with guys that you watched on TV, guys that played in Europe. That you know, you watched them play against Leeds years before that, and just world class players that you're learning from day in, day out. Did um, you take it in at the time, or was it just? You're young and you just think, this is just my life. You, you just kind of take it for granted. And you, you take everything for granted as a player. Mm-hmm. You do, and it goes by so quick. You know, Bert Payton, I remember him saying it in the Cup semi-final when Craig Burley scored the 1-0 game. I can picture him, he stood in the dressing room at Ibrox, he says, nights like this pass you by so quickly, you look back in your career and you'll think, do something about it type thing. And, and he's right, he's right, it goes by so quick and you do take things for granted. You didn't enjoy it as much as what you should as well. You know, you're, I was a serious player. Yeah. I look at others that enjoyed it more. Um, and that's probably one of my biggest regrets. But coming through and that, breaking into a first team then with, with a type of players, just a great, a great squad. Amazing. To, to what, what was it like going to train them with your Gazas and McCoy's slow drops? I think you don't really feel part of it because you're a young boy, right? You're breaking in, you're trying to impress every day. You're you're the one who probably gives the ball away more than everybody, and you're 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 living on a knife's edge when you're training. But it was just you just you gave them the ball. You you always gave them the ball, right, and made made yourself look good. Even when you played in the first team game, you <laughs> give the ball a loud drop. Yeah, you'll make something happen. You can run for him, and any time you run, he actually he finds you every single time. Yeah, so. You know, that was the easy part, but just, I, I think you just took it in your stride as a young player. You know, you're excited every day, um, and that excitement throughout your career, it kind of wears off a wee bit. Yeah. Always wish you I never seen it as a chore, you just absolutely buzz into Not just at play all. football. Not at all. I remember years ago, me and Big Scott Wilson, we went in on work experience, I think we were in the third year at high school, and Rangers trained at Jordan Hill at the time, and... All the other guys in your years were going to work placement at Baker's or whatever. We were lucky. I will go in the Rangers. So we went in and it was Archie Knox and Walter Smith. They put us in with the first team, trained us with the first team that day. And it was Terry Hurlock, Mo Johnston, Mel Sterland, all these guys. And you had your Haightleys, your Goffs and all that. But me and Scott were doing your 5v2s and we were in the box all day. But what he was, what I didn't realise at the time, I was like, oh my God, we're shiting ourselves. Training with these guys, we're so bad. But what he was trying to do was, you know, 
make you realise how good these guys were and to aspire to get to there. Yep. I didn't realise that at the time, but when you look back, it was like, it's a huge wake-up call. We what thought we were good. Eh? But the guys were absolutely brilliant. And to be fair, you know, the players were good with us as well yeah. at that point. You mentioned there Walter Smith. What was it like working under Walter? I like anybody. I mean, anybody says, you know, he's the, the guys are really good. He was a great manager, great manager. I didn't know him as well as what I've known other managers because you're, I always felt you're on the periphery being a young boy breaking into Rangers. Um, I didn't play a lot of games there, I think 11 games. But he was great with us, you know, very fair, really fair, honest. Um, and just, you know, he, he liked young boys breaking through. And I think he realised how hard it was for the young boys during that period. But he had a job to do. You know, Rangers were going for nine in a row. They got it. Uh, and you know, part of history that people look back on, one of the best Rangers teams, you know. What a time to be at the club for you, eh? 50 years. I, it was as great. a fan as well at the time. It was, aye. It was. You know, you get caught up in it, you know, being an old firm player. And of course. Whatever, you know. And now, I keep saying this to people, you know, it does not bother me, Rangers and Celtic, one bit. Nah. One bit, you get away from it, you move on. I've never been at back, in fact, I've sat in Ibrox once. I took an American team back years ago, watched them play against Cowdenbeath. It's the only time I've been back. <laughs> Obviously in the cup with them filming as well, but actually yeah. in the stadium. Aye, aye. As a punter. I never usually come back to clubs I've been at before. Um, so, but Apart from here. Aye, three <laughs> times. <laughs> you mentioned earlier playing in the Champions League. You played twice. Aye. Uh, once was against Ajax, and I think. Was it Marseille, the other game? Oxair. Oxair. So what, what's your memories of playing in these games? Like we'll, we'll 18 years games. old? We lost both games, so wouldn't yeah. like. <laughs> But what a game, what an I experience. Think, so. I think the Ajax game, it was forced on. You know, I think I played my fifth game that night. And Big Scott actually played, he made his debut. But you're playing against, you know, you're... You're, I think I was against Overmars that night. I looked Just, at the Ajax team, Greg, like Van der Sar, Mario Melchior, Frank De Boer, Ronald De Boer, eh, Danny, Patrick Cliver, Mark Overmars. Aye. Like superstars, eh? It was. And I think I played wing back that night. It was more of a five, and Big Scott played behind me. But I think Overmars got by as once. He still got through my legs, and Big Scott, <laughs> Big Scott smashed him. Oh, Great tackle. I think Scott went on to get man of the match, but it was just what an experience. But you, you didn't realise, see, when you're, you're playing in this, it was we, we, we stood together in the warm up, me and Scott, and we, we did it together as young boys do. We you stick together. And I think it was Koisty, you run by Koisty, and he says, Don't worry about it, boys. He says, There's 20 million people watching you tonight on TV. <laughs> I mean, we no Scott just like, Fuck, we're away. <laughs> but they, they, they experience these, you think they're going to last forever. They're not. No. And, and that was probably one thing, you, you know, you, you don't soak it up as much as what you probably should. But you're young and naive, right? But I think what you're, you're praying for is you're not going to have a nightmare. And that night was just a great night. I think it was the boy Schultz that scored from, from distance against um, Snelders, I think, um, 25 yards maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these guys after that, Ajax players went on to have great careers as well, eh? Yeah. You know, but what an experience. Standing in that line with the Champions League anthem. Aye. It's magic, eh? It was, aye. But the other game, I think it was Auxerre, was, I think it was Giro, the manager, he'd been there for so many years. And the wee guy that played, I played against that night was a wee boy called Fabrice Lepaul. And I came through the youth playing against him, so I was familiar with what he was like. Quite small, really, really crafty, very quick. I think he gave me a hard time that night. Mm-hmm. We lost the game 2-1 or 1-0, I can't remember what it, was, what it was. But just playing abroad for Rangers, you know, or playing abroad for any any team. 
um, was a great experience. Yeah, it's really tough, really tough travelling in Europe. Brilliant. What, what for your time at Rangers? What what were the highs and, and the lows during that period? I think the highs was making your your debut. You know, I made my debut at Kilmarnock, and uh, I played right centre back. And it was at the time where you're a right centre back at Rangers, you could bomb forward. Right. You could overlap, and you know I think it was Trevor Stephen that played right wing back. And my, the first time the ball came to me, it was Steve Maskery. Oh yeah, I remember. He played St Johnson. Went to Kilmarnock, or it was maybe Paul Wright or whoever. I'm sure it was Maskery. I played a diagonal ball, and it hit Steve Maskery, and it came back to me. And he knew it was my debut, and I think he said to me, "Don't you worry about you, man. Go and try again." <laughs> <laughs> so I just played this diagonal right over. I thought, "Here we go, brilliant!" But that that was great. It was just. The adrenaline gets you through these, your debuts all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think I had a bad debut. I think your adrenaline does get you through. Yeah. Um, and Rangers went on and won that game 3 0. I got a speeding fine coming back that day as Did well. Did you? Um, <laughs> but uh, the nights, you know, your Champions League nights is, is great. Just even when you're out with them, you know, it's a real team, a real togetherness. You know, even the younger boys are all together. Um, there's still a big drinking culture at Rangers during that time as well, eh? So were you on nights out with all these guys? A, a couple, but I wasn't even on the mall, eh? You'd, you'd go out now and again, but, you know, you're just a young boy. You're trying to look after yourself. You don't want to get caught up in it all, and I was quite smart that way. Yeah. Enjoyed it when you can, and, you know, even when you travelled with them, there were some great nights, great nights. You know, the Vlada Kafkas coming back in the plane, I think they won 7-3 in aggregate, and it was mm-hmm. the time, you know, when you, you the players get a massive bonus during that, when they qualify for the Champions League. So you're coming back in the flight, you know, it was just just a great night. Nights like that you remember. Yeah. You know, and it just goes by so quickly. Brilliant. What about the lows? Um, a lot of injuries. Um, so at a young age? We no, at Rangers, I think I had a couple of cartilage operations at Rangers right. as a kid. Um, I think rejection at the time, you know, when you got offered that contract, but then you've got to prove, when you face adversity, you've got to try and prove people wrong. We're always telling young boys that, you know, you get more you know, downs and ups um, in your life and it's it's how you respond. So I'd probably say that. I wouldn't say I had a lot, not at all. You know, I had a lot of bollockings, mind you, um, that, you know, at the time was, you know, it was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that fear, but I, it was just, at times when it got really hard, as a footballer, you, it does get really hard. You know, you, you, you have five or six weeks of playing poorly and you think, I'm never going to go to this. Yeah. And that's just part of development. Yeah. You know, it's part of, you know, what our young boys are going through now too. It's, that's life. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you think, do you think if you had the mentality you've got now at 16, you'd have progressed even further in your career? I think so. Mm-hmm. I'd have certainly stayed down south longer. Yeah. Aye. Uh, and not came back too early. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really young at the time. We've probably gone to that in a minute. We'll touch on that, yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, at the right, I left Rangers at the right time. I remember playing a reserve game at Falkirk and I'm sure Dick and Bert were at the game. And um, I think Rangers called me the week after and said, look, they brought me in and said, look, they're very interested in you. Um, I had a couple of years left of my contract. And I think because I had a taste of playing, you know, 11 games that season and the buzz of playing in front of fans, the, the excitement, I just felt it was, it was the right time to go. Mm-hmm. And because you had Perini, they just signed Perini, they just signed Amaruzzo. I wasn't wanting to go back. There's Stevie Wright, there's Craig Moore, there's Alec Cleland. Yeah. I was like, when am I going to play? So I came to Dunfermline, you know, and I never looked back. 
because right. I, I had Dick and Bert there and they signed us. You know, they were very loyal to me. I played 86 games in a row. My debut was against Motherwell out here and we lost. Yeah, Se- I remember that game. I was, I was here. Aye, second yeah. game we went to Parkhead and won. Yeah. Um, so it was weird. I lost to Motherwell, but we got to Parkhead and win it. Bizarre. Um, but, you know, just, I loved Dick's coaching. Just, I'm not saying his day-to-day stuff, but just his overall, how he taught me to defend. At Rangers, you've always got the ball. And I always see that with players that we bring in alone in the past, that they're a team that dominates the ball. Yeah, It's what you do off the ball that's how you lose goals. And me being a defender coming to Dunfermline, I was wide open at times because you're used to having the ball. Yeah. And I think Dick and Bert, they put their hair out or they throw their wee tammy in the ground. <laughs> you know, I think, what's this guy doing? But Dick Kenny grabbed me, collared me, he fathered me in a really good way that, you know, this is what you do, this is what you position, this is how you tuck around, this is, you know, balls there. And he was very good, very good with us. And the amount of times I'd be out in the pitch and I, you know, only time Kevin and Willie let us on the pitch was when Frenchie was on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Frenchie was on the pitch, we were allowed on the pitch. So I remember opening up, banging balls in, just visualising stuff as well. And he was, Dick was fantastic yeah. for, for, for that time in my career. Really good. Superb. You know, Bert was a watcher, but Dick was a coach. Yeah, we'll go back to Bert and Dick and join their film. But before that, when you're going back to Rangers, you got two caps for Scotland under 21. Mm. So what, what was that like playing, playing for your country? I think I never really played that well at 21s. I can't remember who it was against, against Latvia and somebody or Estonia or somebody like that. And yeah. I can't remember. It was Austria and Latvia. Austria. And I didn't, the Austria game was okay. Um, but the, the, the Latvia game, I was poor. I think I got dropped for the Estonia game. Tommy Craig was a coach and I struggled. Mm-hmm. I had a bad, bad game. And I didn't think I came back after that, which, to be honest, I didn't deserve to come back. I never played well, but it wasn't a really good experience for me with Scotland yeah. 21s. I'd, I'd always enjoyed going away with the national team, you know, being hamper boy or whatever, and joining and training with, you know, in the preparation of the World Cup squad and, you know, with your Collinses, your juries and all that during that time in mixed days. Um, but, you know, I only played two games international. Maybe yeah. I just... I think I maybe grew out of it or whatever, I don't know. Who was in around the Scotland 21s at that point? I think it was like Jim Hamilton, Charlie Muller, um, Kevin Harpers, um, Gary Locks, all these boys during that period, I think. I think it was anyway. Uh, they'd be about ages with us. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, a good competitive team, but yeah. I might be being a bit harsh on myself there. I never played well, but... You know, I never got called back. <laughs> so you never had aspirations to play for uh, Scotland? I did, aye. Oh, did. aye. I, I felt the only time I ever came, well, twice, was when I was down at Charlton. Mm-hmm. Craig Brown came down to watch us. We played West Brom. Uh, and we drew 0-0. And I think somebody asked him after the game, he said, what are you down for? I'm down to watch Greg. And I think it was a period when they were down at Wembley. Scotland beat England at Wembley with Don Hutchison. Yeah, during that, yeah. I'm not going to get called in for a squad then. I had a bad injury after that. You know, um, I think it was my knee, ACL I did. So then it set me back a wee bit and I felt the latter part when I came back to Kilmarnock playing it there is probably one of the best. When I went down to Charlton when I was at Kilmarnock, it was probably one of the best times in my career I've, I've played, performed. And I felt I was close then, but I got called in a B, B squad there, yeah. put against Turkey. Bertie Votes didn't even know my name. I think he called me Graham Shields. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stevie Votes. <laughs> 
<laughs> so after that, you know, this isn't happening. I knew it wasn't happening after that. <laughs> no. You can't just accept that, eh? You know, that's that's just life. I'm maybe too old now and whatever, you know. But I've got to move it to Dunfermline back after it, so. Yeah. You know, but. Going back to then joining the film from Rangers, Dick and Bert, you obviously spoke about them. What, what was it like when you first come in here in the, the dress room environment and some of the characters? What was it like as a young boy coming into that? It was different. It was different. I remember my first day with Joe Nelson. Brilliant. Absolute legend to Joe. He'd have my kit there, rolled up perfectly, soft as anything. It was a vec at the time. And I was looking at this thing, oh my God, you're used to Adidas and you're spoiled. <laughs> yeah. you know, but we, Joe, would bend over backwards for his We Doug would be walking along beside him. You know, a lot of characters. You know, Andy Smith was there, Jerry Britton. Just a big evil, you know, Toddy. Uh, I knew I was coming to a, a, a group that weren't as talented, but it was a, a, a kick on in my career. You know, it was, you know, I'm going to come back here and do as well as I possibly can and see what happens. But... Good group of boys, Colin Miller was there, Alan Moore, I love playing with Alan Moore, we had a great a working relationship together, you know, I would run by him and he would sit type thing and, it, this, you know, it was just good chemistry. There's a real togetherness at that point, eh? but they had created a good, they had good group of players. Peachy was on the other side and it was Bingy, Frenchy, Harry Kern, loved mm. playing with Harry Kern, loved Harry, he was one of the guys who was like Gary Mason when he never played in the team. Never got the credit, Harry Curran. No, All I, the players you speak to rave about him. Great guy. And I could never understand why. Could never understand why. But Big Smudger had a great season that year. And I think it was, you know, you're, you're a young boy. These guys are experienced pros. You have to come and improve yourself. I think that was the fear. Mm -hmm. And it took me a wee while, actually. It did. I think we went pre-season somewhere. It took me a wee while to... to they really hit the heights. Yeah, I think when we went up north, we did. Season, I, eh? We did. I think it was Strathpeffer or something like that, or maybe Inverness played Clark, Clark Nakodin or whoever. But yeah. these times were great. You could see how close they were as a group and how how um, confident they were with each other as well. Eh? And that, I mean, the, the season before that, they finished fifth in the league. They did. Yeah, had a, a great fifth or sixth. Had a great season. So you were coming into that the pressures of you know Jackie leaving two years before or a year and a half before. Big Evo was a right back then. Big Evo was a fan's favourite. You know, I came in and played instead of Evo. You had that. Yep. Evo then changed position. He went wide right when Murray was in the plane and became, became a squad player at that point. So I knew what I was coming into. Um, but I grabbed the opportunity and Brilliant. I loved it. Well, you played 36 games that season. Mm -hmm. um, and then the following season was a bit tougher. You played 36 again. But uh, Bert leaves that season. And Dick takes over. It was a really tough season, that one, eh? Uh, they were all league games. Aye, uh, just league games, yeah. It was, I never missed a game with them. It was 86 games over two years I played. Mm -hmm. And Bert, I, we were struggling. We kept on drawing the second season. And I think Bert at the time, it was during the winter break that Bert left. And I was away. I think I went to Malaga or something with my wife. And we came back and Bert had left. And I was like, so that about so you didn't expect it I didn't expect it I didn't read into it you know and I just thought why but I think at the time that Bert it was tough for him because he'd been so successful he'd been through a lot as well with Inori and you know winning promotion the, the hype of that and now becoming you know a relegation team and that was a tough part that we were drawn too many games 
the squad was aging at that point as well. That group of players that he'd had for four or five years. Aye, it was a wee bit transition. I think we signed Andy Lynn, Dave Linnigan. Aye, quite a few English Lee boys Butler, came Gavin in. Johnson. East End, they weren't the bad players. And Butts was, did really well in goals. But they were, they were getting on a wee bit. Murray was moving on. Harry was getting older. I think George Shaw came in. Jerry was moving on. I think Evo Jerry left. was injured. Evo, aye. And Dave Barnett came in. You know, him and Toddy, you know, when they were playing, actually were good together. But, you know, the club were in transition. Big Scott McCulloch, myself, we were the only, only young boys there. Mm -hmm. John Fraser coming through. But that was it. Um, was that quite tough at the time, seeing that change in the... I, it, was new, it was new to me. Because you're coming in there, then you become a big part of the squad. I was the future. Um, me and Scott, and Scott, I think Scott got sold as well. He went to London United and Coyley came in. Yes, yeah. So that was hard as well. Coyley was another older player coming to probably end his career. Um, and it was just a tough time. Mm -hmm. And when you're drawing, you kind of get out the bat when you're down there. This was, it was really, you know, it, was, it was new to me. So I think we struggled for the end of the season. And yeah. Obviously. They went down, didn't Aye. they? See, at that point, um, East End Park was starting to change, obviously, the construction of the new stands. What, what was it like playing at the old East End with the traditional, the three doors and the steps going down? And Aye, well, that was my, my first impressions of it, eh? The old dressing rooms, you know, the old boardroom. Paul DeMello in there, mm -hmm. saying you're not getting any more money. <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> Dick in Bert's office, you know, hilarious. Been in there a few times. Um, where the gym is or where the shop is now used to be a table tennis table there with the gym you know just doesn't change it does change but mm. you picture it of what it was before yeah I always remember we Murray in the gym in the punch bag we top off you know, his pecs <laughs> but the, the steps down there it was you know, iconic it was it, it was, was different eh? aye it was and when you look back at tapes I mean I look back at some of them the YouTube the old games and when you see them walking down the steps you know it's doesn't it happen now? No. Um, and the old stands, the, the biggest memory I've got of the old stands is, well, there's two actually. Is we beat Hearts, I think, when the extra time one night, we Murray scored. Yeah, I remember. Oh, it's like a Tuesday night. There's about 10,000 out there. Aye, I mean that. Yeah, right. rammed. What an atmosphere. We went up the town that night. It was a great night. So you remember nights like that. Another one's Falcon Bridges' goal. Yeah. You know, one game. Celtic come to town, think they're going to win the league. We scored with four minutes to go. Yeah. You know, and at the time, my dad and my father in law, I remember them being in the the stand behind the goal that we scored them and they're all it was our second last game of the season there I think the last game I don't know it was the last home game in front of the last terrace, home I game. Think. aye and it's just the moments mm -hmm. you know are, are, are great I like the old stadium the, the, the distance behind the goal and obviously it was time for change after that eh? yeah um, unfortunately Scottish football had to right. change good That's in some right. ways eh? but and you think the stands are old now eh? but it was only 98 that they got they 98 yeah done. aye it's all change. And then the, the next season, we go into the first division, obviously, we're promotion favourites. But there's early chat you're going to leave at that point. Eh? So did you have other clubs kind of interested during the pre-season? There was a lot of hype at, um, during that. I think I got married that year, went on my honeymoon, and there was a lot of contact with me, but nothing concrete. You know, and I, I think... It was Bert and Dick, I remember it, and it was Dick, he actually, Bert was away, Dick pulled me and he says, look, if you just hang tight, he says, I'm pretty sure Rangers will come back for you. Wow. And I said, I, I don't know if I'm interested in going back, you know, or I'm, I don't, I, I didn't think I'd believe myself I was actually that good to go back there or, you know, the money they were signed, but I remember, 
I remember him saying, probably listening, what's he talking about? But maybe it was just one of the big stories that he said to me at the time he keep me. Yeah. And he says, I want to offer you a new contract here. Can you extend it? I says, at the time, I says, no. Because I, want to, I wanted the club to get money yeah. for me leaving. And I felt, I, never, I was always these ones, if I waited two years, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I felt, because my stock was quite high, I was playing well. Um, you were still young as well, weren't you? Aye, I was still, I was, I think I was 22 or something when I left. Maybe 90, no, 99, I was 22. Mm. And um, I said to him, if you can, you know, and somebody does come in, sell me. And uh, I walked away and I think by the Thursday, John Yorkson was calling me saying, Charlotte was in for you. Because you only played three cup. games at the start of that season. I did, I. I played a cup game, I think it was Morton. I don't know if we lost in penalties or something. I think he came up curbishly. And uh, I was there to replace Danny Mills. So, you know, it was the right time to leave. I'd loved it. I think the club were in a wee bit transition then as well. New players were coming in and obviously I didn't realise what was happening with Dick Gore and Calder would come in too. Yeah. I made the right choice um, for my career, you know, and, and obviously experience something different down south. But, um, aye. So what, what was it like? You go down to Charlotte in August 99 for around 600,000. So what was that initial going down to England and, and training at a different club, different environment. What was that like? It was weird because it, I'd actually, I hadn't actually agreed with what I was wanting in a salary. And I think it went on for a couple of days. And I still hadn't agreed and he says, well, come down. And usually everyone's like, come down, you'll sign for nothing type thing. But I, I went down to the airport. We flew into London City, I think me and Jim, MacArthur at the time was my agent, and um, Curbishley was at the airport, picked me up, you know, picks me up in this big massive 7 Series BMW, was like a spaceship, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> the manager of the channel was picking me up, you know, they'd just been in the Premier League at Relegate, I think that's when I was thinking, this club is massive, Yeah. right? And he took me straight to the training ground, and I was like, no, straight to the valley. And I looked at this place and I thought, wow, I just knew it was the right, yeah. the right move. And I went away, did my medical and all that. And I'm still thinking to myself, I've no, I've no agreed terms here. So I think Jim was up in one of the boxes in the first stand. He comes down and says, that's all right, son, we've agreed it. Whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh. at the time, I was like, oh, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. And uh, I'd agreed terms and, you know, eventually signed. But I think I signed a four-year. And because I started off so well with them, I think I'd scored within five games. First three games, I think they yeah. man of the match. I was... Playing, I said that earlier, I was playing really, really well. Yeah. And um, he actually extended my contract. So I'd then signed a five, I'd renegotiated or whatever, and, and, or added another year to it and signed a five year. At the time, you think five years. You've known at that time. Aye. And um, it was, you know, it just felt the right move. It was hard because you're coming down there. I didn't realize, the first time I'd ever been in London. Massive. I'd always been to the airports, but like what? The boy who played with us that day he stayed in Blackheath, Martin Pringle. I remember going to training, the first my first training session. And she said, Oh, you can come back to mine, Swedish player. And his wife made me. It was the best. I remember the past, it was the best past that ever, right? And he says, Right, just get on a train here and because I had to get back to Bexley Heath. And when you're going from Blackheath to Bexley Heath, I had to go into London because it was on a different train line yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. And uh, I'd went. I'd went into London Bridge and I think I jumped on the wrong train because I had no clue. 
Well, I was just jumping that train. I ended up in Charlton. I had to get out of Charlton and get a taxi to Bexley Heath. But oh, I can remember calling a missus and I said, oh God, what am I doing? What am I doing? So were you down there yourself? Down there myself. Family stayed up here? I think for a week. And right. then Lorraine came down and we were in the, in the Marriott or something at Bexley Heath for about two and a half months. It was great. Every night it was Dover Soul. It was brilliant. Did you never get homesick? Do you cope okay staying away down there? I did. Right. I did. See when you're not playing in the team. It's, see playing in England it's tough because you're Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday and we were in the championship at the time and you're 46 games Yeah. and you could be at that time you could be up at Blackburn midweek or a Saturday you're at Blackburn then you're travelling back down and you're at Portsmouth on the Tuesday and you're constantly seven hours in the bus and the traffic was a nightmare mm-hmm. a nightmare and we'd have our own kitchen and all that stuff and we'd put our stuff in the kitchen we'd, we'd, we'd get to the hotel late at night and then you're gaming and then you're travelling again you didn't really see your family a lot and I think that was a hard piece you know, you're just married it was tough you know, we're looking for a new house we eventually got one you didn't have any help no and, and it, because nowadays at a club like Charlton they've probably got members of staff who do all that for the they'll players, have a relocation they? thing as well eh? so they'll, they'll, they'll do all that for you but it was just it was the unknown mm-hmm. and it, it was the manager said to me move to move to where I stay move to Chigwell or he lived in Abridge which was next to Grange Hill where that was filmed and I went and I had a look and I said what am I want to do live next to the manager not a chance <laughs> you know that would go down well with the boy <laughs> but it was you know first night I got lost I'm in the hotel but Old guy used to pick us up in his Ford Granada every day and take me to training. It was only 10 minutes down the road and it was baking hot, I remember it. But we played Fulham first game, but I'm walking into a dressing room down there and this was the difference. You're walking into a dressing room that had John Salako, Mark Kinsella, Graham Stewart, Andy Hunt, Clive Mendonca, Richard Rufus, you know, Carol Tyler, Chris Powell. And they just signed Dean Kiley as well, the goalie. He was just before yeah, me. Yeah, Irish boy. You know, you, you, you're trying to picture who all these guys are and uh, we'd seen them on TV, Graham Shure obviously scored in the penalty to keep Everton a couple of years before that. John Robinson, you know, and it was just surreal. Mm-hmm. surreal. You're on the training pitch and it was like, but these guys have no clue who I am. I'm coming for this smaller club into the, the English Championship or Le- English League yeah. One at the time. And you've got to prove yourself. And... I felt there it was more like a Rangers experience that when you passed the ball to Mark Kinsella, you ran, you got it. Mm-hmm. If you played the ball to Sean Newton, who was wide right in front of me, Sean Newton was electric, lightning quick, lightning, and just cut inside, he'd find you, and it just the it was an easy just... transition. It was really easy, but I felt when you ran, you got the ball. This was great. I'm a runner. I'll get the ball every time. I can whip balls in for Mendonca or Andy Hunt or Pringle or whoever and finish. It was that easy. Right? But... I kicked off really well. The first game, I was actually on the bench against Fulham. The first game, you go to Craven Cottage. And Craven Cottage was <laughs> the best pitch at that time was I'd it? ever been. It was like a carpet. It was frightening. And you're away in this cottage in the corner. I could still there. still there. And I'm like, what on earth's going on here? We had the way end. And there must have been about 5,000 fans there in the way end. Maybe more. And I'm thinking, this is different. It was rammed. And the wee boy Paul Pesciolito, he was playing. Oh, yeah. And he was magic. I think they beat us 2-1 or 1-0 that day. And we were fighting top of the league. And it was the time where, you know, after the game, the away fans had to stay in. 
I encompassed like the time he sat us all down in the centre circle and he just, he never gave us a bollock and he just spoke to us. I don't know why he did it. And I'm looking above my head and there's a big massive concord going above me. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, here we go, you're in London now. Went to the players' lounge after the game, right? And this is when you realise you're, you're in a, you know, you're in a big time, but you're, you're in amongst, it's different. Hugh Grant's next to you in the players' lounge. <laughs> You know, and it's like, wow, this is just, you've arrived. And it, that, that was the start of it. And I thought, here we go. So the following week, we played Bolton. Game prep was amazing during the week. Had a good week. And um, played Bolton. And we won 2-1 two, two, no, two, or 2-0, two, two I think it was. I got man of the match. I think Bolton got two guys sent off. It was Andy Todd and the boy, Mike Whitlow. Mike Whitlow, top main attacker, and he got sent off for it. Um, and then Andy Todd, who later signed for us. Yeah. Um, he got sent off that day as well for fighting with Graham Stewart. It was a huge learning curve, and and I, uh, and I thought this is this is amazing. So you enjoyed it from early on. Did not struggle at all? Not at all. I hit it really well. I felt like up here I was playing really well pre-season. I was as fit as I could be. Going down there was an easy transition at the start, um, and it. I think I played about thirty games or something. Twenty-five games I've got, uh, including with cup as well. Eh? Yeah, and it was stupid. We played Coventry in the cup. Was it around before the quarters? It was I, and it was a time Coventry had Chipo, McAllister, Robbie Keane, all these guys, right? Big boy Carlton Palmer, he played that right. day as well. So they were Premier. We were obviously playing against them, and we were like two 0 down, early doors, and um, we won the game three two. Scored late on. Andy Hunt scored, and you're going away and think, Chris, I'm in the quarter final of the FA Cup. Right, Charlton was the quarter-final of the Cup and they actually played Bolton but they got beat. So I came home, and I think I've told this story before, met my mates, went out and done filming that night, and I was always one for I went to London, I travelled during the night. So, drive up for Birmingham, out in the piss, a couple of days, whatever, with my mates, having a laugh, not seen them in ages, family, and then uh, drove back down on the Monday night, because they gave me Monday off, trained on the Tuesday. I hadn't had any sleep. Obviously, been drinking. Last kick of the ball, popped my knee. And I'm saying, I've done something bad here. Eventually, you know, it was straight to ACL, did my ACL, out for eight months. And I was like, wow. Cup quarter final, we're sitting top, pretty of the league, you know, top of the league, going to win it. I think we won it with about eight games to go that year, Man City were second. That's how good Charlton were. But the, 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 the highs he'd been down there, that was obviously the lows. Mm-hmm. And I'd still had four years left in my contract, eh? But the highs he'd been there was, I scored the, I think I scored the winner against Birmingham. Um, my fifth game, I think it was. And we went top of the league. Great, bottom corner, good finish. I was like, what does it feel like to score a goal? My you scored first, a peach against Forrest as well. Aye, YouTube. my second goal, aye. aye. But that was like, I've just scored. Bizarre, you know? It was... Uh, Everyone just clicked for you, and, the way it's all working. They went top of the league, and it was just, I remember going out, we were out in London, that a great night, still the night you remember, and it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, aye, scored against Forrest, top aye. corner, 25 beach, yards, aye. the first goal in 2000, Um But it was just a great club, great club, good people, yeah. well run, and just a good squad of players to come into. You know, I'm guessing after the, the injury issue, did you then struggle to get into it? Because the club then went to the Premiership, didn't they? I, I did. I, a couple of games in the Premiership. I did. I came back, and I came back pre-season, and see when you've been out a long time, 
think I'd played South End or something. I think it was June, July, I went to South End. My wife was pregnant. A month out for having the baby, there was a few things before that, so I had that in my mind. And um, I came back, played a couple of games, and I don't know if I'd hurt my, my, my ankle or whatever. And then they'd signed, I think Radisson Kishishev signed from Bulgaria. He was more attacking than me. Um, I always thought I was a better defender than him. Um, but the way Charlton played, you know, he came in, they played 3-5-2, changed formation, he played. And then, I don't know if he got injured, I kind of got back in a wee bit. Um, played a couple of games, played Ipswich, played Bradford. Or played Bradford, then Ipswich. Mm-hmm. And it uh, was playing well. But, no, when I get to this yet. And then the latter part, I think, as it went on, I think I'd got another one, a bad injury. I think I'd done a, had a hernia, that was what I had. You try to push, trying to get back in the team, doing too much, overdoing it. Had a double hernia. And then he signed Luke Young. I can say Luke Young for four and a half million. Luke Young went on to play for England. Aye, it was class, eh? You couldn't. See, when you've been out for a couple of times down there, injury-wise, it's so hard to get back in. The level's so high. I was, I keep saying it, you know, me me going down there, there's so many me's going down there. You've got to be athletically gifted. You've got to be so physical. They're all athletes now. And even at a time, you know, the Arsenal team were coming through, they were massive, your Vieiras, all they boys. And the, the game was changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlton, they were, they were going down that route as well. You know, I think De Canio later signed too with them. I wasn't there at the time, but it just, I found it tough. I really did. And I think that's where you come in, you're homesick. Yeah. You know, you're homesick and it becomes hard. It becomes an excuse. Nobody likes me, all that. And you become in a rut. Then yeah. you become a reserve group. You know, it was myself, John Solaco, Kevin Lisby. You know, I'm... I'm I'm sure the younger boys, your Kincheskis and Parkers and that were probably in that. It was tough. It was tough. I got back, played a lot of reserve games during that period, travelled a lot with the first team. You know, that's the type of players you were. I used to share a room with Gavin Peacock. Right, aye. Gavin Peacock, I seen him at Newcastle and Chelsea with the hair. Gavin aye. was bald now. Aye. And I was one for going out and playing cards at night with the, the players. I liked to, you know, play cards with them. And I was shiting myself, you know, Gavin, I'd come back and Gavin, it was freezing cold, remember, it's snowing outside. And Gavin, older pro, 34, 35, you know, I looked up to Gavin, learned a lot from him. I'm sure he's a priest now. Ah, he's in uh, Vancouver, uh, Edmonton area. He's up there, or in America, and he, he was in Edmonton. And um, Gavin was, I'd come back late on at night and the room would be absolutely freezing. And I was shiting myself to actually say, I'm going to close the windies. <laughs> so I'd lie there with all my clothes on, my big jacket, and I'd sleep at night, shiver my way. <laughs> just because it was respect with Gavin Peacock, eh? It was just so hard to get back in. And I, I went alone to Walsall in the end, played seven or eight games down there. Yeah. It, it was Colin Lee and Dave Merrington, um, the coaches, trained at Willis Hall, lived in the hotel for a month. I actually re signed there. And I went to them and I said, look, this isn't right for me. I knew Jim Jeffries was sniffing about. And I said earlier, I probably came back to Scotland too early. Mm-hmm. Not that I regret coming back and playing for Kilmarnock. I didn't. But I was still really young. Kilmarnock would have still been there in three years or four years. And I was aware of that. But see, when you've been out of the football for a year and a half, being a bit part player, it's not what you're paid to do. Yeah. And although the salary was good down there, it wasn't me. You want to play, don't you? I wanted to play. And 
I remember calling Keith Peacock, Keith Peacock up. I said to him, Keith, he was assistant at the time with Mervyn Day, and I said, Keith, look, I'm not saying it will, so I know Kilmarnock want me. I said, uh, is there any chance I can just go? He says, you're not getting paid up. <laughs> I says, I didn't want paid up, I just want to leave. And uh, at the time, they let me go for a free. Right. And, um, you know, it was fair play to them. Fair yeah. play to them. But obviously, I did my part as well by coming off the wage bill for, of course. for to release it for somebody else. Eh? But great club. A lot of good people there. I learned loads. And if I hadn't got an injury like anything, you know, you never ever know, eh? But yeah. I think the level in the end, and I'm maybe being a bit unfair in myself, at Premier League was probably a bit do you not think you could have stepped up to that? Maybe. Maybe. But see any... And you see that and how they worked and how they did it. Any flaws or any weakness you have, you know, the players are... They're six foot three, six foot four. Yeah. You're dealing with... I was, what, 70, 70 kilo. You're dealing with guys that are 95 kilo that are massive. I remember playing against Ian Dowie. He was huge. Absolute monster. You know, you, you, the ball's getting hung up back post. You've no chance. No chance. And that's part of their game plan. I oh, will play it against this wee guy because we've got big boy here. No chance. The thing is, though, you had a good mentality. You looked after yourself. You were focused. So that, that would have stood you in good stead, wouldn't it? Uh, I think I maximised what I had. You know, I've no regrets on and what I what I did throughout my career. You know, probably fell out with Cubs a few times down there. Probably re- maybe regret that. But you look back and. These things happen. You know, you just want to play. Mm. It still happens to this day, but I, 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 had, I had a good career. Yeah. When I look back. Brilliant. So you come back up the road, you join Kilmarnock. What was it like working under Jim Jeffries? Well, it was good because I knew that Hearts wanted us before when I was at Dunfermline. I think they tried to get us before, eh? Um, and it was just, it was going back to like Dick and Bert. You know, the two of them are very similar in how, how they trained what they wanted, their demands, you know, they they'd lose it after a game and, you know, we believe when they talk to you for five days if you lost. <laughs> but I, I, I really enjoyed playing for them. I did. Kilmarnock were a great club, great club, good people. And they, I played in a position that I really enjoyed. I played sweeper for them a lot of the time. I think I went on to play 70 games or something for them. And you were made captain as well, weren't you? I was. I think Steve Fulton was out and um, they they gave me captaincy when when he was out but it was just you could name that team Andy McLaren steady. Andy was Andy ended up leaving there used to be a car that went through it was me Gary McSwigan Chris Innes Craig Dargo then we picked Quitongo up oh, yeah. Andy McLaren and we had Ali Mitchell coming for leaving right. so there was seven or eight years when I first came and by the end that was one of the reasons why I left it was only me Right. I think Dargo and all these boys and Ali Mitchell obviously yeah, I think he went to his five or whatever he went to. But the, the club was a wee bit in transition too, eh? Um, but just good. I'd loved that position, you know, and scored a few goals for him as well. I, I remember you scored against Dunfermline. <laughs> scored a peach against Dunfermline at Rugby Park. Uh, it was a cross. It was a cross. <laughs> I scored a good goal out here as a wee one too, and I put it in the top corner. I remember when we were on by Nipper, I said, Get it up, you Nipper! <laughs> and he was kind of still laughing, but. No, some good times. Brilliant. And then 2004, you get the opportunity to come back here. So how did that all kind of I was away. Back? That was the thing. I was away with Scotland up in Dundee. And um, we'd played Turkey. 
and uh, I was Graham Graham Shields that week. Aye, so, And I'd I'd received a text or something alluding me that Jimmy Calder would liked us at Dunfermline. At the time, I was like, this travel's killing me. You know, I'm three and a half hours a day in the car. I'm myself, 25, 30,000 miles a year. Is this what I want to do for the next two and a half year? And I eventually spoke to him. And um, I think within a week I was signed. Um, it was the right, the right thing to do. It's always hard coming back to a club, though. And I felt that, that the expectation levels are higher. Um, I think under Calderwood, everything was rosy. Mm-hmm. The film was flying at that point, eh? Flying. Top four. Top five. Um, team. And, and during the time it was Rangers Celtic, Rangers Celtic, Hearts, Kilmarnock, Dunfermline. Yeah. They were the top five during that period. And they had a really good group. I know Barry Nick from my Rangers days, Big Scott, obviously Nipper was still there. And just a really good group. And I know money was different and it, it brought success to the club during that period. But just the way they played football was exciting. It was exciting. Yeah. I wanted to be part of that. And I felt I could add. I think I was 27 when I came back, maybe, maybe a wee bit older. But, and I think it was the first game I came in. We played Motherwell. We Bass came off, injured, and I came on. I think it was like 25, 30 minutes in. I think we ended up winning the game 3-0 at a can or a 2-0. It was easy. Yeah. I thought, I love this. Mm-hmm. Love it. You were on the ball all the time. It was great. Everybody was shown for you. And everybody it was high intensity, was wasn't it? Even training. But see, he's training. He's training. He's demands in training was way over and above anybody else I've ever played under. A lot of managers may be annoyed I've said that, but he was he was on you. He was on you. And everybody that's played under Jimmy Calder would would probably say that. Yeah. There was a standard. And see if you were the one getting the ball away, you got ridiculed. And you felt shit so bad. You felt the one that was letting everybody down. And it made you want to get better. You know, and that's where you've seen players in the periphery. Jimmy Calder would have eight or nine players who would play every single week and two or three guys would get dropped, two or three guys would yeah. come in. And that's why competition was so fierce. You had your Dempsey's, your No Hunt, your Davy Grondins, yeah. boys like that who were just desperate to play. You know, and it was, what what an experience coming into that group. And if he wasn't there, Jimmy Nick would take it. Jimmy Nick's, as an assistant manager, he was fantastic. Love him. Love him as assistant manager. It was just fun. Real yeah. good fun as well. But there was... When it was fun, there was always a standard to it. And the players knew that. There was a line you could cross, you, you could never cross. Just a good group. And it was one of the groups that you get, you go in the morning, you, you didn't want to come back to the house. You, you're getting back at <laughs> half five at night. Your wife's saying, where are you about? Oh, I've been training. Are you sure? But you play table tennis, you play pool, whatever. Aye, and it was just a really yeah, good group. Brilliant. Great group of boys. I remember was, back then as well, like after the games, it was quite important for the players to bring their families in to put players' lounge and everyone to have a beer and it was a real togetherness, eh? Aye, there was, Very important at that time. And, and I think, you know, obviously now, you know, during the years, the internet has got aye. a big thing to do with that, you know, dot net as well, you, you can't go anywhere without picking your nose during that period. You know, and it's folk are saying, yeah, you're on whatever and whatever and you're doing this and doing that. Case peace. Yeah. And that, that changed it a lot, and the players became a wee bit more distant with 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 the fans. Mm-hmm. Now, as you see, what James has done a great job of galvanising the players with the fans connecting them, yeah. especially Kane last season walking off against Queen of the South. You know, it's unbelievable. I've not seen that in years. 
from your Hamish French days, from the Calderwood era. And it was just really good, but it helps when you're winning as well, eh? Winning yeah. brings that. But um, uh, that was a that was that was good times too. But it was hard to see when you come back. Calderwood leaves, Davey Hay comes in, and there was all the financial troubles starting to. It was. I think it was two weeks after I came in. They were all saying the wage cuts and whatever, and it was it was a hard one to take. It was a tough, but you accept it, you know. And the players stuck together, eh? We get to the cup final that first season. They did, aye. That was a hard one, because I think we'd went, actually. I was cup-tied, played against Wraith Rovers for Kilmarnock, stupidly with a sore knee. Wasn't going, but I did. Never realised the run would be on. And um, I think I went through that game with Big Scott and Nipper. They had a great day. Went to, I think, La Fiorentina. Two of them were pushed. <laughs> Watching the cup final. What a day that was. I could have won day. that one as well, eh? Could have had the penalty. Skerler's goal, the penalty, or... Ever, but aye. What about the plastic pitch at this point? What, what was your thoughts? I liked on that? it. Did you? I liked it. Just that Dunfermline had an advantage with the plastic pitch. We trained it all the time. It was good for us because we were moving the ball quickly, um, and we just got on with. It. You know, it was it was fine. So you didn't find the issues with your, like potential injuries. Not or? then. Right. But probably that's why I had a, a fusion in my back. Right. I had two ups on my back laterally, um, and that's maybe from there. From the hard surface. I, I had a couple of knee ups after that as well, but you just get on with it. That's part and parcel of being a football player. You do yeah. get injured, you take it, and you know if you get a bad one, you hit it, you move on. That's just being a footballer, eh? Yeah. And what you said, Calderwood leaves. What What was your memories around about that time? Did the players know he was going to go after? The I cup think final? after the cup final, I had an idea. There was a few things, you know, within that. I remember them. It was just different. It was weird, a weird feeling, being in the dress rooms after it. And he obviously knew. Um, it was, it was really disappointing because I felt at the time, he was a really good manager. He was going to be good for me. And I think a lot of the players and how how we struggled under Davy Hay when he left was that a lot of players were still living in the past of this is what happened under Jimmy, mm-hmm. the two Jimmys. This is what we did. Move on. It wouldn't matter who came in at that point. Eh? It was going to be it, impossible, job. impossible, impossible because it was so hard to replicate. Plus the financial burden of you know no win bonuses stuff like that during that period was was hard. It was hard for a player to bring players in. And Davey Hay, a Davey Hay was a lovely guy. You know he had Heggie and he had Kirky as assistants, good assistants. But it's just hard when you didn't go off to a good start. The pressure's on. You know I think it went on for the whole season. And then Leash obviously comes at the end and, and, and saves the club. Or so he says. <laughs> Again, you know. The, it was some end to the season, though. Eh? Some end to the season. I, I was injured. I think I'd done my knee against Livingston. And obviously, David Hay went on the Monday after that. Um, and I think it was Wee Mace that scores up at Tannadice that aye, day. And what we, we beat Dundee, was it 6 0 or something out there? Aye, 5 0, I think. Aye. See, the start of that season, though, we got a wee taste of Europe. A wee five minutes in Iceland. What was that experience like? Iceland was tough, it was a bit bizarre because it was 85 degrees, it was baking hot and we had to walk through the hotel to the game because the hotel was right next to the, the stadium. The preparation was really poor, eh? I, I think just being on the plane for so long beforehand, I, I don't know what had happened. It was just, the prep wasn't right. But the game, I think we did, we no score late. Aye, we were 2-0 two two. down. Aye. And we drew 2-2. Two two. I remember Big Brew, he absolutely hammered me. He hammered me during the game. And when he gets on at you, you know, because you're a lovely big guy, just give me that fucking ball, get to my feet, whatever. 
And I think I put the cross in for his goal. He got, did he get the first one in Skerla, I think? I don't know who it was in it. It was a heater or someone in it. I was like, oh, you know, I was gearing it tight. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? And we came back, and the wee guy, the best player was a wide left that day, the boy that went to Spurs. Aye. Really good. Alfredson. Aye. And he gave me a really hard time over there. But we played at St John's, and I thought we were in total control of the game. Oh, well, yeah. Night. And I don't know what happened. 1 0 up, was it? It was, we were 1 0. I think Dempsey maybe scored. Aye. And the last five minutes was just chaotic. Nuts. And we were in total control of that game, and I, I couldn't believe it. We lost it. In the end, I remember Davy Hale was coming around to dressing at the end of the game, and it was just. It's hard because, from a supporter's point of view, you're putting Europe to the minnows. It's tough. Um, so they were up against it for the start, and obviously the pressure when it was on us. It's always hard, and always, I wouldn't say that to players coming back, but it's tough coming back to a club for a second time. The expectations do become yeah. high, and when you're under pressure, that's part of your job, yeah. I get it. But And then there's cuts going on, the confidence is low, the manager's that's right. struggling. That's right. It's not going the right way, is it? But it was a good, it was a strong group um, that they had, and I think that's what got them through it in the end. Yeah, and then Jim comes in for a wee stint, and then Stephen Kenny comes in. What was it like working under Stephen Kenny? Um, that was kind of all change as well, wasn't it? He was it, a young manager. It was different. It was hard for Stephen because he had so many experienced players um, during that that period, um, and he had a lot of boys that were petering out towards the end of their career. I'd maybe put myself in that bracket as well. Big Scott, Scott Thompson was there. Big Toddy was there, and he had a you know players that he'd signed for Ireland that, and you know maybe weren't good enough to wear it on film in Jersey. So he had that pressure as well and I think his ideas were were right. You know, Decky was assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, it was fine. But it's results driven as well, eh? You know, I think we beat Dundee United out there and, and he was watching that game we'd won and I think he took 10 games before he got his first one. Yeah. But I've still, you know, I've spoke to him three or four times since he's left the club. You know, during my time in America we're asking for players and I've spoke to him. You know, so there's no hard feelings with myself and Stephen Kenny. Yeah. He was he was good to me. You know, I was captain under him and he was he was honest with us. Mm-hmm. We are Flow Digital Pharmacy and we are proud to sponsor the Walking Down the Holbeath Road podcast. Our easy-to-use app is a convenient way to access your NHS prescription medication and our team of trained pharmacists are helping thousands of people to access the support and medication they need. If you're registered with a GP who's based in England, you can use the Flow app to securely and conveniently send them NHS medication requests and arrange delivery to a location of your choice at a time that suits you. This means you can avoid the hassle of contacting your GP and making unnecessary round trips to eventually collect your prescription. Find out more at weareflow, spelled P-H-L-O, that's weareflow.com. During that time, Leash as well, two cup finals again. Um, but Nipper was the captain for the the League Cup, the League Cup final, and I think I was captain. Tough, for wasn't it? That was just a played four five one that day. I think Wee Hunty got injured, falling <laughs> off his bed in St Andrews Bay. Yeah. What? <laughs> what was he up to? Did yeah. you know sign the boy Andy Campbell just weeks Andy before? Campbell, he was right. debut. He was miles he, off it. He played, didn't he? And that was a hard game. Mm-hmm. Roy Keane played that day. I remember it. Or Celtic, but Greeks and McGregor played. Aye. It was a wee thing we had on the for the first goal, eh? But that was tough. You were always up against it. But obviously, the, being captain for the 2007 Cup final was, you know, a great occasion. That was okay. classic Hamden day in the sun, eh? Aye. Full Hamden. 82nd minute goal for Matthias Dumbe. Yeah. 
How do you look back on that cup final in particular? Is that the one that you think? I think we had an opportunity then. Celtic were on their knees. Then they they scraped by, but good teams always do, right? They always find a way. Um, I was playing against McGeady. I actually played them quite well that day. But we we more than matched them. But obviously the better players shone through in the end, eh? And during that time, we had players like Adam Hamill on loan and Jim O'Brien. They were quite good young players, exciting young players. Eh? We Jim never played because eh, he was cup tight. He, he, yeah. um, he couldn't play against his, his team. But I love playing with them. Mm-hmm. Adam, brilliant. What a talent. What a talent he was. He's probably one of the most exciting players I've seen playing at, playing at East End Park with Adam. But Jim was a worker. He was a wee bit like Alan Moore that way. You know, the delivery. He, he, there was no fuss with Jim. You could tell him. You had him in remote control. He was wanting to learn a young boy coming from Celtic. I was an experienced player at the time. I was good for him. But Jim went on to have a great career. He did. Went down south for good years, player. didn't he? Good player. Uh, and it was hard because we tried to get him to play and he, the Celtic just never let him in. You know, he's not going to play and score the yeah. winner against Celtic. Yeah. The following season, again, back to the first division, we got relegated again under Stephen Kenny. Tough again, eh? The uh, start of that season was really poor. I think the start of that season, you... you you go on his favourites. First game was Hamilton away and we lost something like 2 or 3 now, wasn't it? Yeah. That was tough. The Astro was there, it was hard, it was baking hot, I remember it, it was sticky. I thought I had two left feet that day, I was all over the place. All over the place. And I didn't think we, we, we played well as a group. Um, and it was just reality. See, when mm-hmm. you come for the Premier League and you drop down, you didn't realise how hard that is. Yeah. And that's no excuse. It is, it's so tough, as you see. You know, with teams that have fell down in the past. Yeah, Dundee United had three or four years down here. Albeit Hearts had the money, they came back up. Yeah. Uh, and there's Dundee, obviously, popped back up again, eh? But it's so tough. Mm-hmm. I remember earlier that season, we went away to Stirling Albion and got beat. And then we had a game here against, was it Morton or Hamilton? They cuffed us 5-6 eh? It was Boy Offion. Aye. I think your fans were clapping Hamilton off. That he was, was, was going in. It was humiliating. But Hamilton, had, you know, people forget Hamilton's team that year. They had Brian Easton, they had the two MacArthur's, they had Offion, McCarthy, MacArthur, Offion, they had the boy Gohaney wide left who went to Dundee. Yeah. Good side, yeah. good honest side, that young you know, energy coming through that was hard to play against, as we're seeing now with the younger crop coming through here. You know, it's exciting. And Hamilton had that, and it showed that with players yeah. going away. And they had a, you know, the big, big, big boy Murno, I think it was a centre back or whoever, they did. Boys that scared you or scared mm-hmm. some, some they'd, they'd kick Aye. the shit at you when you played against them. It was uh, a tough group, tough group to play against. Yeah. And well deserved to win the league that year. I think Stephen Kenny then leaves just after, doesn't he? Jim McIntyre comes Aye, in. I remember. He was your teammate. Aye. How did that all kind of work at the time? I think we were up here, we were in a meeting, and um, I think Stephen had got a chap at the door, and it was the chairman, and I think he'd, you know, we we're going over a team meeting, and I think he'd, came back in and said, look, I've just been fired. Wow. And um, Declan obviously as well, and then I think Jim got called out, a few of the older, I think Craw was the older ones, and he, Jim came in and said, look, I'm manager for the time being, I want, he's all on my side. It was, it was it was tough, because I remember Stephen Kenny going around all the boys and shaking their hand, it was like, you know, it was, it was a shame. Mm-hmm. It was a shame, but, you know, it's all about results, right, at the end of the day. You know, I, I think a lot of fans like Stephen Kenny, they liked his way, you know. Just didn't Re- work out. Results, you know, at the end of the day, cost him his job and whether it's the player's fault or whether it's the manager's fault, 
that's just part of football, yeah. as we saw over the last two or three years here. You know, it's just, you're not getting results, you're out the door, simple. It's been difficult. And then Jim obviously comes in, player manager for a couple of, well, your last couple of years at the club. How did you find working under Jim McIntyre? I liked it because Macca was a bit like myself. You know, good attitude, um, worked hard, had standards. He was easy to, to, to work under. You know, we had a good group. He realised because he'd been part of that, what he never liked about it. Uh, and as he went on here, he became very successful. I just playing good football. Ah, uh, he did. And he had, I mean, McCallum Woods was coming through behind myself. Um, and he had Os McCann as well, who was eventually captain, who came on and, and had a really good time. Maybe, you know, did he, was he as good with that group then as he was? Probably not, you know. And I think the club were in transition then. Scott mm. then went to Australia. I don't think I played with Maka for a year and a half. I, I, maybe I, no, I did actually. I did, I because I went pre-season with him to, to Austria. Um, and I think at the time, you get to a point in your career where you think, I need to move, I need to go on, I need to do something different. And it was an easy one for me because my dad had just died. My dad passed in uh, March. Mm-hmm. And I found out in August, we played St Johnston and beat them 3-0. And it was that weekend that actually my dad had lung cancer. And I think it was six, seven months, so you're dealing with that. And I, I think yeah. at that period, I'd never, I always thought I was settled. I always thought, you know, I had a couple of years left my contract. Don't know where it'll lead to, to get involved in coaching. And that was never my aim. So my dad died in the March. And Big Scott had went to Australia with Fergie. And one of the guys that used to play here, Richard Huxford. Oh, yeah. He was a fitness coach out in America at this team. And Paul Ritchie, former Hearts player, was out there. And he called me up and said, do you fancy I moved to America? And I "Mm, I'm not sure. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt it was right for my kids. Just to, I don't know, get away. Just quality of life, eh? Aye. And I thought, well, what else am I going to do at Dunfermline? You're kind of on the firing line a wee bit. Mm -hmm. And the expectation levels become a little bit higher. And I was at that stage, I think it was 32, 33. I thought, you know what? Your time's up. Your time's up. Move on. Save the salary. Let's go. And I'd say to Mark, I said, look, I'm going to leave at the end of the season. Um, I think I got injured, did my knee before the cup semi-final against Falkirk. I think it was Ross County I played my last game against. And um, I moved on. And it was the right choice. Mm-hmm. The right choice. Because Dunferman, you know, I'd have probably kept Callum Woods back a wee bit. Callum Woods was breathing down my neck. Not that I felt any pressure by that, not at all, because he could play left-back, right-back, centre-back, whatever. Um, but I just, I'd had enough. Time for change. Uh, and I think my dad, with him dying, it, it, I kind of expedited it a wee bit. Yeah. What was it like for the family, obviously, uprooting Huge. to America? Uh, me, and, me and Lorraine had went out there end of May. Or I think middle of May, this season was still going, I asked him to go away and I'd went away for four days out there and I thought, wow. Desperate Housewives was just on at that time. Right. Everything was like that. Beautiful area, massive houses. Just everything was perfect. No weeds, nothing. It was just like, oh, everything was like, just roasting hot, humid. I was like, this is Florida. And uh, it was just different. I was kind of a deer in the headlights a wee bit. No, sorry, I was like a, you know, like a wee boy in a, a sweetie shop. I was like, whoa, here we go. So... I'd agreed out there and I think it took a month to sort out and I'd said time to mark I said I'm away it's the right call and going out there I think it was middle of July I'd eventually got out and um, that was it 
What was it like playing over there? What was the standard like? The standard was, it was different. Because it's so hot, the game changes. You know, it's all about possession. Um, positionally, it's different. Players are quite, they're physical over there. But some of the technical players are really good. I always felt if somebody got by me, they'd, they'd kick out of the park. Right? right. Or they'd go to cross it and go into goalie's hands. There wasn't really a lot of quality right. during that time. Um, and it was, it was more about the standard living, you know, going mm-hmm. out there, the experience for my kids, putting them in a, a learning American schooling system, you know, meeting new friends, all that stuff. How did the kids adjust to that? Easy. Easy, aye. Ah, uh, easy. They were talking American accent within six months. It was nuts. The only way they could understand you. You know, the young one, you know, going into kindergarten, as they call it there, and, yeah. you know, carpools and all that stuff. But it, just, it was different. And it was enjoyable, you know. And we said we'd be there two years. I remember telling my wife, oh, this team wants me and we're going to be two there two years. Two year visa. Ended up being 10 years. Green mm-hmm. card holder. So, you know, I think I was six months out of becoming a citizen if, if we wanted to as a family. Or, you know, and having a passport. Um, how, how did you then move into coaching when you were out there? That kind of just developed well, naturally. It's interesting American leagues, right? Because the season finishes in October at that time in November. And then it'll start up in mid-February. So as soon as the season finishes, your contract stops. So you're not Wages stop. You don't get paid for three months. So I always thought, Americans, are all tight. All the players, you go out and they'd, they'd, you know, you'd have a meal, there'd be 16 years on the table. Well, can I have separate checks, please? <laughs> I'm like, what? Are you serious? Oh, there's $20 or whatever it is. But no, they keep or they save all their money because right. they know what's coming. So it was at a time... and. Due, there was two clubs there, two or three clubs that have like thousands of kids. And the club I eventually went to had about 16,000 kids. So you get paid for coaching Monday through Friday. And you're out four nights a week coaching. So the more teams you got, the more money you got. And I was never really wanting to be a coach. I wasn't interested. I always found it hard standing up and talking to whatever. And it was, you know, or getting the group to listen I thought this is a bit daunting you know I seen Maka when he first came in his mouth was trembling I thought oh that. <laughs> and I don't know it's just no I'm not going to do that I just want to see my career out see what happens and then when I got into it I thought this is great I was taken under 12 teams and then I went on the 14s then I went academy set up and it grew for there loved it then you're travelling all over America with it and you get caught up so you're travelling with the academy one week you're travelling with the first team the next week you're travelling whatever and I did my back, I was saying earlier, I, was in, I think it was in Minnesota, and I got cleaned out in a tackle, really bad one. I had a back up before that and my back popped. I think I waited a year for, you know, as it happens there, when you get injured, you go on insurance, the club didn't pay your salary, the insurance company pay your salary. So I'm kind of drifting on a wee bit for the, when you stop getting paid. But I think, we, with, and that's what got me into coaching as well, because I was injured, I needed another salary or yeah. I wanted another salary. The insurance company was the, what they were paying me in comparison to what I was getting paid from my club. It was a lot less, so I had to subsidise it. Um, and I uh, absolutely loved it. And it was just the making of me. I went and did my American licences and I think I had my B licence here and I came back and finished my A. Did you find that easy enough coaching kids? Obviously, you're used to an adult coaching environment. It's hard. A playing environment. It's really hard. See, when you, see when you stop playing... And the ex, the you you expect them to do it when you stop playing, and it frustrates you. And that's where you see a lot of former players that are on the sidelines, and they're going nuts. 
I used to go away to tournaments and lose my voice coaching U12 and U13 kids. Yeah. I'd come back and worry about, what are you playing at? I couldn't talk. Oh, my God. <laughs> you'd be shouting all the time inside. And I was like, what? And that's what you realise. What are you doing it for? Are you doing it for the kids or doing it for yourself? And I think as a player, because you're used to winning or something on the line that you have to win, you expect your group to win. Mm. And I found that so hard at the start that I look back at some of the stuff and some of the sessions and you think, what on earth was I doing? But the group I had learned. Yeah. They were learning. But were they learning the, the technical stuff they should have or was it more tactics at 12 and 13 year old? What am I doing coaching kids' tactics at 12 yeah. and 13 year old? It's all technical ability. You should be coaching them technical drills. So huge learning curve for me, huge. And then you go to academy setup where the footballs, you know, you're playing against your FC Dallas's and you know, your Vancouver's, your Seattle's, all, all your MLS teams. And just, you'd f- go to San Diego, you'd play in a big tournament, you'd go down to Florida playing the tournaments, and it was, you know, you're getting filmed, you're getting watched, people are assessing you, there's folk writing down what your body language is like in the sidelines, how you represent the club, all this stuff, and yeah, you just change, you change. And although I'm quite hard with a lot of the players I have in coach, I think you've got to be. Um, because well, is the reason for that just keeping standards high? I think see when you go into a first team environment as well, you know the standards with James is really high. Mm-hmm. You know if I'm if I'm not you know getting him prepared for that, he's like what else going on? Yeah. So you know that you're you're bad to them, you know, but you you've got you've got to tell them the right for the wrongs, and you've got to get after them. But I mean, the majority of players I would imagine here they all love playing for us. They enjoy it. The training's great. That's all down to you know what I learned in America, mm-hmm. you know just how how they build. You know I'm all about build up, you know and whatever and, and playing through the back and through the lines and you know you hear us all the time. I'm not born in football, whatever. I'm not. It's like I'm applying for a job, <laughs> but just the way you teach them and how they take it on board and it's different from what they've been used to. Mm-hmm. I found that straight away when I came into the reserves here with Cammy Gill, Carl Smith, Stuart Morrison, Matty Todd, Paul Allen. Yeah, they wanted to learn. It was a good group, and some of the stuff that I look back on, some of the play was excellent. They hadn't been used to that, and that's no disrespect to you before. It was just a different, yeah, you know, different approach, different I, style. And I would never have known that if I'd never went to America and how you press and how you do it with three, how you do it with six, how your whole team press, how you high press, whatever. And <laughs> you can only press, you can only press for thirty seconds in America because if no, you were after that, you were done. So the, the heat. heat, aye. So did you take anything from coaches you worked with? I did. I I did. I was really fortunate over there because the head coach was Colin Clark, who used Northern Ireland centre forward, played in the 86 World Cup with them. Um, he came in, and Martin Rennie was the first coach who later came back to Falkirk. Yeah, he was at Falkirk for um, And Martin was, I think Martin was just learning the game as well. He was very clued up in his A licences, whatever. And he, Martin had a lot of money at that club and he could sign all the best players. So it was an easier job for him. But Colin Clark came in when Martin left, when he went to Vancouver. Colin was an old school type coach, but some of the stuff, you know, Colin taught me and some of the phrases I use was through him. Um, and just see when you're coaching youth, you realise who the good coaches are when you're coaching youth. Mm-hmm. You realise who the ballers and shouters are and they do it for themselves and it's all about winning and it's all about them putting a badge on their top and saying, I won this cup and who cares, I'm not interested. But then it's how many boys at that are you putting into the MLS or top colleges? That's what it came down to. And it was more about coaching the individual as well. You know, how do I make Mikey better? How can I yeah. work on Mikey? He's really good in there, but how do I make him excellent in there? 
right? He's not so good with his right foot playing crossfield passes, but what do you do? Mm-hmm. And it was me understanding the player more. I was like, wow. You had never seen it from that approach before? Nah, no. it was just the America's ahead. It's like England, they're ahead. All their data, all their technology, their training surfaces, the infrastructures, it's huge. The video, you know, your analysts. You know, you'd go to a game and it'd be on your table 10 minutes after the game. It was nuts. That's young boys. And um, just the way and how they spoke to them and how they, they engaged with them, it was different. Uh, yes, they had the facilities and the resources there, and I get it, but you realise who the really, really good coaches are. So mm. I took a lot out of that learning. There's a wee English guy, Paul Foster. It was, um, he, he's head of it at North Carolina FC. And just his way, never raise his voice. You know, not in that training environment, in the dressing room, maybe, right? Probably has to at times, but just his way and how he did his drills, his, a lot of smaller-sided stuff that he got the most and maximised out of it. You know, there's another coach, David Nahas, who's now the head coach of UNC Women's. Just fantastic coach. Demands. Just really, just gone after his boys. I had a good academy director and John Bradford there too, you know, who's now the head coach in Oscar and FC, still the academy director, but just... You learn something good for, for everybody, the good ones. Yeah. We had another coach in there, you know, Adwan Bader. Just some of his passing exercises and how he went about it and how he explained it and how he just... Are you the type of guy that would stand on the sideline and, and watch oh, drills I, and take, absorb oh, information I, constantly? We, we went to Brazil and I think we went down and watched Fluminese train one time and, and there was like three or four things in that session I took out and... I still do it. Some of the academy coaches do it. I kill myself laughing and say, that's my Brazilian job. <laughs> and it was just a different a different way of learning. Yeah. You know, I'm all for that. That's why I like going on licenses. I like going away. I like seeing things and how they do it. And, you know, good and bad, right? Yeah. How people talk. And I always say that to the players. They'll think those things you'll learn for other coaches, good and bad, you take it on board. Ah, that's a good thing. That's a bad thing. I didn't like that. I'll not do that. But, um, but I was really fortunate when I went out there. And it was the making of me, mm. you know, as a coach, there was so much help, you know, it, it was just a good place for me at the time. It was tough in the family because I was travelling a lot. You know, you become, you're living in a plane every week. Uh, it was just some, like, like jumping on a bus there, eh? Ah, I come mm-hmm. off to the airport again, I need I'll see you Sunday night type thing. Or you're away for a week, it was hard, really hard for Lorraine because the three kids were still quite young. Sorry, what, what would you say makes a good coach? I think understanding the player. You have to, and I know it's hard at times when players are struggling, they're playing poorly, their confidence is gone. It's that's the hardest part of your job. But it's trying to, you know. I'll take Sam Young for example, you know, and and I look at Sam when Sam played up at 18s a few years ago. I would look at things in his game. I'd go along with Wits and watch the games, and I'd think, why Sam's playing up? Why is it right for him? He's always used to playing up what would it be like at his level. And there was a lot of things in the game I think, wow, I'd pull him and say, what are you doing that for? The ball's on the other side, your body shape's closed, why are you not seeing blindsided runs? Open mm-hmm. yourself up. You're forgetting he's a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. But if he's playing up, right? And then I, I'd, then he'd be offer him, a, a, he played with me 18s or he'd be offer him a full-time contract to come in. And Sam would actually say to you, well, why do you want me to do this and why do you want me to do that and such and such. And, and you'd have that conversation with him. So I think they've, the trust piece, and Sam really struggled mm-hmm. at the start when he first came in. We honeymoon period, then he dips. And he found it really tough. He'd go out and play with the 18s. I think it was three or four games there. I was like, oh my God. I was hard on Sam. Really hard on him. 
when Sam looks back in his career and how his season went, he'll look back to that. We stood by Sam. We explained to him, we showed him. And I met we were up at Ross County last year and he was hitting diagonal 70 yards. So we worked on you during the week. That's what we worked on you last week. And some of the stuff he was doing, yeah. I was like, it's coming, it's coming. Yeah, and he'll see that. So he's completely, completely. And then the trust piece from player to coach, you can see it grow, you know. Um, but there was a lot. That was a good group last year, the 18s, a really good group. You know? So that's probably the most pleasing part of being a coach is, is seeing it, you know, what you've been working on during the week, how much a player trusts you. You can see the ones that are not too sure, you know, oh, does he like me or does he not like me? That's the hard part as well because you're never ever going to please everybody. You know? yeah. you're, you're not there to make everybody happy. You're there to get boys in the first team now. Um, Which is happening. Ah, uh, yeah, we'll, it is. We'll touch on. Yeah, it is. So you spend 10 years in America. You then get the opportunity to come back again. So how does that all kind of... I think it was Ross. Ross called us up and um, I think Alan had just been let go and he said, um, you want to... I think he touched base on beforehand and I'd... I'd you know, there was a wee bit, I'm maybe thinking about coming back and whatever, and he'd asked me my background. And I said, I'm involved in the youth. I'm not really interested in first team, to be honest. Um, I really like the youth to pro pathway. And um, he said, look, there's an opportunity. He actually never told me who was getting the job. He said, look, I want to bring in the reserve coach. Um, I was like, oh, Stevie. And then he eventually said, look, Stevie's going to be the manager, type thing. Um, and it had to be respectful because I think it was maybe four or five hours after Alan had just left. So I says, when do you need me back? And she says, tomorrow. And I'm thinking this was like Wednesday afternoon or whatever it was. Um, and I'm thinking Thursday morning. All right. They played Dundee United Saturday. And we, we need you in with Stevie. And I'm thinking, well, you know, bringing an assistant. I think they'll try to get somebody else at that time. It never worked. Um, and... I'd actually say to Lorraine, I think Lorraine was standing at the door where our suitcases are already packed. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and she says, you're not going to ask him what salary? I didn't even ask Ross, what's the salary? Yeah. And I actually called him back and she says, what sort of salary? And it didn't really matter because I just said, you know what, let's get back. Lorraine, she was always saying, I think her oldest Arne, he was, he just finished high school. He took a year out. And if we'd stayed there then, he'd, he'd have lived in America for the rest of his life because when you go to uni there, you're done. And that was, that was her fear. You know, that the kids were going to stay there, we are going to move back here. It was a transatlantic mother, father, daughter, son relationship. And the other two were just behind them pretty quickly. So, cut a long story short, I went to the club, I was asked them, a little bit annoyed, but let me go because they realised it was an opportunity. So, um, flew back that night, came in the next morning, was late, flight was delayed, all that stuff. I walk in with my American gear on. You know, 10 years out of Britain with a baggy trousers on and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I walk in, they look at me like, what on earth is then? But, you know, Americans didn't bother about gear, but I just, like, froze. Froze for 10 years. Still wearing G-Star. <laughs> and uh, walk in, I had no clue who anybody was. I was looking on the plane and watching the videos of, you know, the team against Falkirk and whatever. And uh, I was like, Tom Beardley and Joe Thompson, who are these? James Vincent. How did mm -hmm. uh, James Vincent's the guy when you hear Tom Bleeding's a taller guy and, and Joe Thompson's, a, you know, whatever. And I was like, it was so hard, so yeah. hard. And obviously jet lag was tough as well. Um, but I came in, you know, I think I assisted Stevie for three or four games before Callum came in. So it was kind of dual role reserves and joining the first team. Loved it, loved it. 
never ever wanted, you know, that role of being a first team guy. I wanted to experience this, but I was, yeah. Stevie, I remember coming over to me and he says, right, there's your group there. And he says, pick the best player. Remember I was saying to him, who do you think the best player is? So I watched him and I looked around and I had no clue who Matty Todd was. I know who Callum Smith was, no Lewis McCann. And I goes, yeah. I goes, him. And it was Paul Brown. Paul Brown. Paul Brown, right? And he was a part-time player coming twice a week. And I loved that kid. A wee dog, he'd like run about the pitch, he'd kick folk when the ball played simple, get it back, but fully energy, bursting about all over the place. Loved him. He actually played the other night for crossgates against me. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that later as well with us. Um, and obviously, he was the one that caught my eye. But as it went on, you've seen the talent in McCann and Paul yeah. Allen and, and Matty Todd and these boys, eh? And it was good to see that. But it was just first impressions. You know, real good first impression of the kid. And I think that stuck with me throughout the years because we eventually offered them, I think in January, we'd offered them a, a, a contract through how right. well he did. And I made him captain of the reserve group when Stuart Morrison moved on or moved into the first team. So it was good because I had my own group. There was maybe six players one day, 10 players the other, 14 yep. players the next. We were training at the side with the first team players and it was just, Stevie would ask for players, they would come in and out. Good structure, really good structure. Um, Big change from your, your life in America though, eh? It was, I Was know. it hard to readjust? It was, it was, I. But you're back in, you're full-time with a club, you're in the mornings, you're whatever, you're, you're no out every hour of the day. I mean, you're out in the morning in America, you're back late at night. Never seen mm-hmm. Lorraine, you know, it was tough. So, aye, we, we had our own group of players and it was, it was great having your, your own budget with that reserve group. And you seen the talent that was coming through. A few of them had already played, I think, against Inverness at the start of the season. Alan had played a really young group. As I kept on reminding me, we played against Inverness and we beat them. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> but you forget how, you know, how mature they are, how naive they are. You, yeah. You've got to try and nurture them the right way. And that's probably, it's not the frustrating piece, but see when you see like McCann now, McCann did that week in, week out for the reserve group when he was 17, 18. And when they go into the first team, it's like Matty Todd, although Matty Todd never played a lot for me because Stevie kept him in the squad a lot with the first team. You see it and you're just hoping it comes out when they play in the first team. And now the fans are really seeing Matty Todd last season, yeah. albeit Matty Todd's playing centre mid. You know, I mean, let's put him in there and he scored against Morton that day from centre-mid. He played in there with Paul Allen and we had the confidence to put him in because we know what he can do. Um, and that's, you're just, can you do it consistently? Can you keep doing it? And that's where you're sitting in the standings and academy, you know, director or whatever, my, my, my head of professional, my, my title. You're looking down and I think, God, i seen this years ago with my Todd. I just yeah. want it. And, and you're so pleased. Same with McCann now. I'm absolutely delighted. That's, this whole group of young players are bursting through now don't seem to be shy or nervous going into a first-team environment, do they? Not now. Not now. You've had to work on that? Aye, uh, they've had to work on that a lot. You know, they've, they've had their ups and downs. You know, it's, it's been hard for them at times because the, the, the expectancy of doing really well in reserve football and what they think their standards are and how hard they found out there. And now they're, they're now showing that, how good they can be. And it's exciting because they're now assets to the club. Yeah. You know, and it's not just them playing reserve fit, but it's what's happened before that as well. People forget that, you know, what happens at 12 and 13, 14s, their coaches, their Dougie Coulson, their Grant Petries, you know, that are in Hamish. Massive yeah. part of the development, massive part. You know, and you see that now with, you know, your Andrews, your Sam Youngs, your Taylors, 
It's not because they played a year with Greg Shields. It's what's happened before that. And it's James having the belief in them and listening, you know, that the guys are good enough. Yeah. And him believing in them, seeing them day to day. And, you know, we can write all the KPIs we want. I mean, nothing if our young boys are only playing first team. Yeah, that's brilliant at the moment. So you have a, a period under Stevie and then Peter Grant comes in, a really difficult time. You then made head of academy, which you're doing now. So what, what does that job in, entail? Well, it's Bill, Bill's the head of academy, Bill Hendry. So Bill will do all the admin stuff. He'll deal with all that. Um, and I think my title's head of professional. You know, it's running the academy from 18s downwards, although we've, we've appointed somebody, um, Barry Malcolm, to do the, the children's, um, the 13s and below. So I'll put all the curriculum together for the academy. Um, appoint the right coaches who I think are right for the age groups. Um, and everybody will be doing the same per week, per curriculum. So if we're working on attacking, all the coaches have been attacking that week. So we're all discussing what's going on and you know showing each other sessions. I'll be part of that and certainly how we want to play. Um, it'll be driven down for the, the 18s. You know, and a lot of it as well. You know, if the first team are playing 3-5-2 at the weekend, you know, we'll yep. throw that in for them as well. This yeah. is what they have to do. Because if Sam Young's going in there playing, well, I'm only playing a back four with 18s. He's got, he's got to know how to play a back three too, or yep. a back five. So there's that piece. But it's, it's just... You know, that's more of it. It's, it's all curriculum, you know, and it's just, here's the standard, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And What is it we look for in a young player as a football club? What what stands out for you? Well, we always say this, and for, for me, I'm always looking at attitude. Attitude, you know, I always look at technical as well. Um, if their attitude's no good... What's the point in putting the first team? They're not going yeah. to get there. You know, they're going to fail. Um, technical ability. You know, you look at Liam Hogan breaking the first team right now. Really technical. Andrew's really technical. Sam's technical for centre-back. Taylor, you know, maybe not as technical as other, but, you know, he's got a heart that can... He's got that drive um, as well. But, you know, I'm not really after the physical player at younger because I know they'll physically develop through time and it may take some longer than others, so you've got to be patient with them. But it's more that for me their attitude mm-hmm. has got to be first class. They've got to respect yeah. folk. They've got to, they've got to come in there and and show you know that they want it. Uh, and that comes down to you know how good they are on the ball and how they can express themselves. I hate kids yeah. that come in and moan and whine and when they give the ball away they blame other folk. You, you suss them out pretty quickly. You know I want kids who are invested who brief football. They're, they're always asking questions. They're always sit down with you, watch videos, you know, they'll, they'll, you'll do your IDPs with them and they'll, you'll see them delivering it during sessions. That's what I look for. You know, it's, and then you, when you see it and they're, they're living it day to day, it's mm-hmm. brilliant, absolutely brilliant. That's why you're in it, eh? Aye. And technical, so many things, eh? Yeah. Um, same with attitude. But physicality, doesn't he? If you look at yes, as a centre back, we want somebody as big and tall that can, you know, look at a Reece Breen, a Sam Fisher, a Benedictus. That they're your your first team players. We have to try and find that model behind that. We've got Sam Young, you know, a John Todd, who's that stature in that position, you know. And you look at an Aaron Comrie, you know, he gets something down the pitch really well. That's the first team. That's what they're after. So yeah. we have to try and you know look at that for the academy. But they've got to be. There's no point in that you can run fast, but you're crapping the ball. I could go and watch somebody else 
You know, I could go and watch a boys club team here and pick somebody that can run fast, but they can't trap the ball. So that's what I'm saying. Their technical has to be great. Yeah. They've got to be good technically. Uh, and they've got to have a know-how how to play the game and a willingness to learn. It's quite quite early days for the, the Football Club Academy, obviously. We, we split up from the Fife Elite kind of format. You must be quite excited about what's kind of going on and just seeing three or four boys who are regular in the first team already. Aye, and I think that was my, my big thing when we came in. It was... It was... The club's transition with the Fife Elite, I think I knew maybe a wee while before that I was going to go step into this role, which I was delighted about. And the academy had to get better. There's no point in having an academy if you if there's no product in the pitch. That was a big thing. We as a club, there's so many players that go away from Dunfermline and go on to have a career elsewhere. There's Callum Smith now, was that us? Went to wherever, Airdrie and, or Hamilton and Airdrie. Yeah. And it's Livingston as well, eh? Yeah, and he's now back at Wraith. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of our own. Now he's he's back at Wraith. There's Cammy Gill, you know, struggled, went away at Arbroath. Now he's at Montrose. Stuart Morrison went away. He's now at for, for guys who maybe could have had a career here um, as well. And that's a tough piece um, of it. But it's it's so buoyant now. It is. And there's a lot of... During the past, the, the, the clubs are a lot more money than what they've had previously to now, right? So I don't know if they're forced to play young boys more than what they ever have. And yes, the first team have got injuries um, that maybe has, has put Andrew in there. But Andrew deserves to play. You know, as, as James has always said in his, his team talks after the game, and he's very, he's very understanding of where he's at in his career and how well he does from a day-to-day. You know, we see that at academy level day-to-day. Um, and they're deserving of playing. Even Liam, you know, he's coached last night with Liam. He, he was wanting to put him on for the last 20 minutes type thing. And that's pleasing because Liam's there. He's only been in a month. But we see that week in, week out, day in, day out with the academy. And yep. that's how we want them to transition quicker, as I said about Matty Todd and McCann and Paul Allen. It's hard. You know, the, the standards, the level, it's a big jump for 18s to first team. So we have to try and prepare them that, that yep. way. But... I think that the hard part is, as I said earlier, is there's, there's a lot of people that's left that's maybe been good enough, but it's maybe through finance and players coming yes, in. Just at the wrong time I, for them. I struggled a wee bit, whereas now we realise how important an academy is. Yeah. And I think James being part of an academy programme at Dundee, being academy director there, seeing how it works, he's very good at bringing young boys into the team at the right time. Plus, from a club point of view, with the supporters, like there's nothing better than being a fan and watching local young boys coming through. That's right. Love playing for the club. Right. And that's... It's a win-win, eh? It, it is a win-win. And fans are more patient as well yeah. with younger boys. And it's, I mean, it's, a, it's a good squad to come into now, too. You know, they're, they're winning, they're doing well. They've had a great season last season. It's great to come in and be part of. Plus, you want to learn from a Matty Todd, a Paul Allen and McCann, you've got boys that have came through the same process that are quite close and tight. Miller Fenton as well. So there's a, there's a good group there. You know, mm. you're thinking Miller Fenton, McCann, Paul Allen, Matty Todd, Andrew Todd, Sam Young, Taylor Sutherland, Jake Sutherland, Liam Hogan. You know, you've got Beagley Rennie there as well. Yep. Right? And you've also got the next batch coming through. Right? And then you think, hopefully, that will not happen, but four or five years there's Eight guys there, yeah. nine guys there starting on the first team that have came through our academy programme. That's the vision, eh? That conveyor belt. <laughs> it is. And then it's a good then, thing to worry about. Then it becomes, you know, your, your 
other teams come and start watching you, they become uh, uh, the players are assets now. And it's not just these guys. I mean, Chrissy Hamilton, Josh Edwards, Aaron Comrie. You know, I'm pretty sure there's yeah, they've got really good names it? now, and they're still young. Remember signing Aaron Comrie for St Johnston. Just good player, good boy. Mm-hmm. But and then now we've got Kane as well. They eh? so it's not just local boys coming through the academy. It's it's it's, it's a mixed part of a good group coming together at the right time and it's like a great age yeah you know it's not all, all guys and that's where the club I think has benefited you know even from going down last year we got rid of a lot of players it's allowed us to rebuild eh completely yeah is there any you're, you're really excited about that maybe the fans haven't seen yet in the first team environment any you could name um, well they're seeing they see bit parts of Andrew you know, I think Andrew 18's, you know, some of the stuff he does is genius. And you seen him last week against Kilmarnock, we was trying to chip the goalkeeper all that. He did that every game for us. He's just a natural football player that picks the ball up and just his, his vision and awareness of when to get on it, how to create at the right time. And the only thing that's missing is a goal. Mm-hmm. He'll be frustrated because he's not scored. I know what he's like as a boy. He'll be beating himself up. You've got Taylor who's lightning quick, lightning quick, and came in and scored two goals. Now, you know, yeah. Celtic and last night. So, it's, I mean, even, you know, we know Sam, we know what he's capable of. He's played two or three games as well. But there's ones behind that as well. You know, we've got eight boys in right now, full time, the young boys. They're doing well. You know, not everybody will make it. That's part and parcel of, you know, the job we're in. You give them opportunities and not everybody does make it. That's a hard piece. But, it might not be as many over the next two or three years that are coming through because we've had a good batch of 06s. Um, it might be twos and threes or ones and twos. Mm-hmm. But there's certainly players there within the academy and that's where I go down to. We have to, you know, individualise them, you know, do what's best for them and, and focus on their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh, and that's how they become better and hopefully kick them on the first team. But you can see, you can tell players that are going to play for the first team. Yeah. I look through the academy and I say... He's going to play first team. He's going Can to you spot it at like 13, 14 year old? That early on? I think it's hard. I think it's hard. And usually you find that, you know, with, with your old firm or your bigger clubs, all these guys go to Rangers and Celtic. And I always say, you know, when you speak to their parents, that's fine. He's can go there. But you'll be chatting my door again at 16. <laughs> and if you're any good or you're better than what we are, we'll bring you in. But if you're not, I'm not bringing you in. So you yeah. you can travel every day to Glasgow. If you want to travel every day to Glasgow, you'll end up getting peed off with it. But you can jump my door again at 16. And it usually does happen. So no everybody makes it, and that's the thing. Hey, how many guys make it at Rangers and Celtic? Very few. Very few. You know, they're usually coming out loan and go elsewhere anyway. So um, 13 and 14, I, I think it's hard. Really hard, unless you've got a Ronaldo, some machine. Um, but you, you see it, because we look at our guys that are two or three years behind this batch are in the now, and you can see moments of Oh my God! Some of their touches and that are better than some of the players yeah. that I've had in my eighteens last year, and it's they're two years, two and three years behind, but they've still to grow. They've still to. I mean, Steve Kernan, our sports scientist, does a fantastic job. Has him on a Tuesday night, the kids, albeit for an hour, but he he's really up to date with you know all, all the things they should be doing, and it's just the growth mm-hmm. in them in a year. And it's hard because, you know, growth maturation, big thing. You know, the big guy against the wee guy. Um, it's easy to put the big guy against the wee guy, but you've just got to let them develop. 
Yeah. And that's where some coaches find that frustrating that, you know, the big the big guys always win. That's fine. Who cares? Yeah. You know, it's just believing in the, the younger player and making them understand where they're at. But you can see things in them and you can think, oh, aye, okay. You know, I watched a game the other night when we played crossgates. We lost 5-0 with the, with the 18s. A really young squad because we're in a little bit of transition now because of a lot of boys in the first team, which that's your job yeah. to, to put them in there. Um, but you see some of the things the other night, you think, oh, aye, he, he's got a real chance. Mm-hmm. You do. And it's, it's, it's great to see. Eh, for you as a coach. It's putting them out of their comfort zones and that's was frustrating as well. I didn't get me wrong, I get frustrated in the sidelines with them because they, they get the ball away stupidly in stupid areas at the wrong time. And, oh, how do you see that? Why? Well, they didn't win that header that the big guy bumps them. You think to yourself, you know, I can see them progressing at the first team, no yeah. problem. You know, yeah. but it's just the consistency from them as well and no everyone's going to make it and... But it's just, it's been there for them and it's just trying to get that right mix and that's what I've found since we've came in to run the academy programme, there's been a, and it's tough, we've released a lot of boys and I mean that in a positive way, we've released them for the benefit of them because mm-hmm. it's easy to hang on to players and keep hanging on to them and just, ah, we'll just keep them be a number. You're not doing them any favours and you're not doing the, the better players in the group who you think are doing well as well. So it's hard when you sit down with them with their parents you know, that's a tough part. There's always that protection piece on the kid and, you know, it's, well, you got it wrong. Okay, that's fine. But, and it's hard to make a call on kids young as well. Yeah. And then you've got to understand where they're at in terms of their sports science or the data with, with it too. So it's not just looking at the player where is it now, it's a potentially where he's going to be two years. And that player just now who's maybe ahead of him is not going to be ahead of him in two years because, you know, he's going to catch up on him growth-wise. Yeah. So there's a big... And that's where the 18s are at right now. We've got probably three age groups in the 18s where we should really only have two. Last year we had two. Um, so we're in a wee bit of transition. But I think what will happen there is, I always think when you breed youth so early, the 18s will become really good mm-hmm. because they'll take a little while to adapt. And then all of a sudden they become really good as well. And I don't care if I win the league. I turn up at games, right? And folks say to me, oh, your 18s are doing brilliant. Your 18s are doing brilliant. And I say, what do you mean? My 18s, oh, you won last night. Okay. If my 18s win every single game and we win the league and I get anybody in the first team, I'm out of job. Yeah. That's the reality of what it is. eh? And I think, see, when you're talking to parents as well with it, you've got to... The board, Thomas, everybody's put their trust in me to make judgment and my staff to make judgment on players. And that's why we employ... I think the right people at 18, 16s, 14s that can make that call. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared to make that call and are very honest. So that affects them later on, right? So they're coming through that process and the numbers have reduced greatly. So we've went tighter with the squads. So kids get more game time, right? There's no that six players or seven players sitting on the sidelines that are only playing 20 minutes. It's so competitive. And players are playing up, they're training up, some players are playing down. We've got you 16 players that are, you know, that are underdeveloped, that are playing down at 14s because their size can't cope with it. Yeah. There's a lot going on that a lot of people didn't know. Eh? Fans would just not see any of that. They didn't. And that's why I, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. You know, it's... There's so much to it, eh? There is so much to it. There is, and, you know, Bill Henry, you know, Bill 64, Bill does an unbelievable job. Brilliant. He's so switched on, so smart at what he does. And it just gives me the reins. The football piece, you take care of, Greg. 
I'm not interested. I'll deal with the admin, deal with the parent side. And I, okay, no problem. You're quite happy with <laughs> But when it comes to valuations, Bill's nowhere to be seen. Right. What's deal with the parents, Bill's <laughs> And that's a tough part. Yeah, it's, it's releasing players. And I said it earlier, usually when you release players, it's, it's for the benefit of them. But I think even being part of this, the older kids when you release apprentices, I think there's only really been one player over it, and I may get hammered for saying this, but I'm not bothered. That it's one player I've really lost sleep over that I've released is probably Paul Brun, right? Because I felt he was more than worthy of a contract at the time, and it didn't break my heart. But I actually lost sleep over the kid. I was like, you I could just see something in, I in the boy. I can't believe it. He was a Dunfermline boy, lived down it. He lives down the bottom of town. And just was there every morning, you know, a day in and what do you want me to do today? And he was his attitude in the pitch was unbelievable. You knew what you were getting week in, week out. You'd, on you go, you got on with it. And it, it really stung. Mm-hmm. It stung. And I thought, I've made a mistake here. I really made a mistake. And what usually happens, they leave, kids move on, they go and play junior. They, he went to Stenish Muir and he was playing for cross skates the other night. He'd put in a few pounds to the wee bugger. But you could see that he was still a good footballer. Yeah. You know, but they find their way in life. But we had Paul Allen and Matty Todd at that time. Paul Brun wasn't going to play. Yeah, same position. And that was a conversation with Stevie during that period as well. It was he's not going to play, and that's where it was so hard because he'd through attitude and just guts and sheer determination, he deserved it. But the technical piece of what these others had, they were ahead of him. Yeah, and it was tough. Well, it's exciting times, though, Greg. He's doing a great job as a supporter. I'm excited, so. Mm-hmm. Keep at it. No, thank you. Thank you. One it's, final question in the academy, though. Aye. Is Andy Jr. better than his old man? I think so. <laughs> I do, I. I know you're good pals with Toddy, so. Aye, the three of them are better than his old man. <laughs> got, John's just coming behind them. Yeah. Um, John plays centre mid or centre back. Um, and uh, we, Charlie's, I think he's under 13 right now. Right. Charlie. Amazing. Um, they always say Charlie's the best out of the three of them. I'm just saying that to have a pop at Andrew and John. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's, there's talent there. But you, yeah. you, you can never tell where they're going to go, eh? I mean, Charlie's what, he's only 13 and there's Aye, what, probably a lot of pressure on him because Andrew's in and, you know, John's maybe got a pathway as well or doing well, you know, so he'll see it. And the, the other two are obviously under pressure because their dad used to play and course, their dad's yeah. a legend here. But anybody who knows Big Todd, he's the most level-headed guy you'll ever meet. Yeah. So, you know, good parenting from his point of view and he's been... He's been great with me, but it's, it's, I keep saying to folks, it's, it's great having them. It's not about the Todds because there's more talent there. Yeah. There's more talent within, and there's certainly there's talent coming through. And it's not a team we're trying to form. It's just that one or two individual players. Yeah. No, nah, brilliant stuff. Uh, we're going to reflect back on your, your career. You've had an awesome career, obviously. Uh, how would you sum up your career as a footballer? I'd probably say I maximise what I had. You know, um, regret-wise, I said earlier, you know, maybe two or three fallouts I had down south. Um, maybe should have stayed down there a wee bit longer. But I'd like to think, looking upon fans looking at me, I did try my hardest for any club I was at. Um, probably did too much away for the game to, to better myself and maybe should have rested more. Uh, but no... 
think they would see me as a, a good performer for Dunfermline, a good performer for Kilmarnock and you know, still Charlton fans call me this day and say Brilliant. I had a good career there. Superb. Um, In terms of memorabilia, did you collect anything over the years? I won a championship down there. Right. Um, so we won the, well obviously the championship now which was League One. So I got the medal in there. That was the old, you know, that Kevin Keegan and Kenny Dalglish used to win that cup. Yeah, yeah. The time and I thought it was brilliant going on the pitch, lifting this thing up. Before it rebranded to the championship. Aye. Aye. Kenny Dalglish used to lift this thing. What? And he was my hero as a kid. My hero. Um, but that, two losers medal cup final. Um, Did you keep any shirts? I was never a shirt guy. Nah. Nah, even the Ajax game and all that. I think it was Derek McInnes that took over Mars Top. Um, I was never one of these guys that would go up to somebody after the game saying, give your shirt. It just wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Uh, because then it shows that you think he's a better player than you type thing. Oh, I played against him. Nah. No interest. No interest. Because I'm not really wanting my shirt anyway. Depends who it was, eh? But wasn't bothered. What about superstitions? Did you have any as a player? I did, I. I used to... Uh, my boots were always tight. Really tight. And uh, I would soak them in boiling hot water before every game I played right and he'd be sitting there regardless if it was freezing outside and I'd put Raul Jex on my toes deep heat on my toes right, right? so I'd go out my feet were burning <laughs> by about 20 minutes <laughs> they, were, they were freezing cold and numb yeah oh, it was horrible but I just I liked the feel of my boots being really soft because they were tight mm-hmm. and I liked the feel that I could I hated big boots you know or or, or shiny boots. I like the leather, and I just. What do you think of boots today? I'm not a fan of them. No. Not at all. You a traditional old school black boots? Aye. Aye. I first got my pair of white boots. I think it was down. I got them white and red. It was Nikes, red night tech with white, and I felt under pressure wearing them. I did, but now all their academy players wear black. Not yeah. allowed to wear other boots. Is that a club point? Is that one of the rules? For the academy, yeah. aye. aye. Nice. Solely for that. I like that. Um, and then obviously when they come in here and they're full time, they're buying all sorts of colours. Then they come back doing treadmills and they get tell to take them off. What were your favourite boots as a player? Um, did you wear the same style of boot? Like I did. I was actually maker. I was actually sponsored by Fila when I was down south. And you spoke about it earlier. The Fila boots were weird. They were a carpet material. Or you got the leather and they had the big feel at the back mm. in yellow. And I remember the, the goal you were talking about we scored against Nottingham Forest. I scored and the women went in this big run and I slid. And I was wearing Nikes. I'd pulled the, the, the tick off and everything inside of them. And as I put my feet up in there, the Nike ticks looking at the guys taking a picture of it. <laughs> Monday morning feels like that. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I was like, oh God. But um, I was, when I came back here, I think, I mean, Valsport at the time, I thought Valsport were good boots, just a leather yeah. on them. Um, but I, I think it was Nike. Nice. Just black Nikes with a gold or silver tick. That was it. Moldies. Never wore Moldies when I played. It was always studs regardless. I like the feeling, you know, when you're going for tackle, stuff like that, that you meant business. Yeah. Um, but no, aye. Nice one. Who was the biggest influence on your career? Obviously, mum and dad. You know, they were huge. My mum used to drive me back and forward all the time. You know, we'd get the expenses off a of Rangers or Celtic or whoever. They'd give you the envelope with the crisp pound notes in it. I don't think my mum ever seen them. <laughs> I actually said to her, wait there, did you ever? She goes, what? Are they pound notes? They were, I says, aye, they were brand new. She said, I never ever saw any of them. <laughs> um, mum and dad, definitely. Um, 
I think the early part, as I touched on it earlier, John Blight had a big, big, I looked up to him. Um, Alistair Stevenson, huge. I, I even when I'm doing team talks with the boys, I always speak about him, who, who obviously went on to Hibs and had the, the, the good Hibs players coming through. Um, but I'd probably say Dick. Right. Dick coming here. Aye. Billy Kirkwood was good to me at the time. I think I earned the respect for the, the coaches there because of my work ethic. Um, McGregor and, and John Brown. Um, but, no, obviously, as your career goes on, your wife, eh, she's a big part of it. You know, the real boss. Your highs and lows and you're coming back, you're pissed off. You're not talking to the kids for a couple of days. You're taking out in the dug and, yeah. you know, I was always like that. You really got to me. I think even when you're the captain piece as well, it gets to you a wee bit more. It's when the club were struggling, really struggling under Stephen Kenny, it was it was tough. It was a tough time. Uh, so fair play to her for putting up with me during during that time. Brilliant. Who who was your best friend in football? I think Big Toddy, Big Scott Wilson. Um, probably, you know, Scott Thompson. Uh, I, I would probably say. I think Big Big Toddy and Scott would probably be my my, my, my two best mates. That I've had. I grew up with Scott coming through, you know, boys club and at Rangers, um, and, and obviously Big Toddy. <laughs> I wouldn't say I was Toddy's best mate when I first came here, right. uh, but I think we grew into a relationship after that. Uh, but great big boy. He was yes. Toddy would just go away. I think it was with Mark Mullery go away at the gym. I'd go my other way. You know what I mean? But I think we grew into a relationship and became really good pals. Brilliant, there's mate. others. I mean, you pick up guys. There's Gary Mason a couple, a couple of months ago at the Glen Pavilion. Mm-hmm. Just call him up, he'll be there for you. Good boys, and yeah. I've probably missed loads um, through your, your earlier days too that you still keep in touch with. But they two are probably the first two that spring to mind. Nice one. And final question What did you learn most about yourself playing football? Probably too serious. Too serious on a day to day basis. I just, I don't know, I always wanted the best. I was frustrated when other teammates. Wouldn't they work as hard as you? Would go to the gym, would piss around, did runs, just did enough. I can't accept that. Yeah. Because I felt as if I'm putting it in and others aren't. But the other players maybe have more ability than me. You know, and that was probably, I should have just chilled out a wee bit, but I'd get pissed off, I'd fall out with them. And maybe I'm right, you probably say to me I was right to do that, but I don't know, I just... I'd probably like to have chilled a wee bit more. I look at how funny and how witty Scott Thompson was and how laid back he was. Just a good teammate, good captain, good leader. Scott Wilson, more chilled than what I was as a player. But that's who I am as a person, eh? You know, that's what I probably learned most, is that maybe a wee bit too serious and overdid the gym work and probably it was a catalogue of injuries along the back of that. Maybe it was a plastic pitch. Maybe I should put a lawsuit against the fucking <laughs> plastic pitch. <laughs> well, Greg, thanks for your time. That's been no great to catch up with you and, and hear some stories. So thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, which is available on all popular platforms such as Apple, iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Thanks to our guest on this episode of Walking Down the Hobbyth Road. This podcast was produced by Jan Mokiewicz and music supplied by Stuart Dusty Miller. We look forward to speaking to another former player in the next episode. Thank you for listening.